You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? How sweet, fresh meat. You're listening to Fanholes, the pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans, bitch. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to another Fanholes Fright Fest episode. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and joining me tonight for this whole October Halloween month extravaganza that we're calling Fanholes Fright Fest, where we discuss a TV movie type scary horror franchise property, and then we follow it up by discussing a spooky, crazy for Halloween-type comic book. I am joined tonight by three, count them, three of my spooky fellow fan holes. So why don't you guys give a shout-out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Ah, it's me, Mike. Hey, it's uh, Jan Airhammer. Hey, guys, it's Tony, and... Oh, no, I'm alone, and I might get killed. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite uh, scary movie? Uh, <laughs> hey guys, I, I I I gotta go. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. <laughs> so anyway, but, uh, by the way, I'll never be right back. <laughs> so what what we're actually discussing tonight, and I was kind of jonesing to discuss this, and so I probably forced my will on the fan holes or whatever. I told them you can watch it on MTV, like it's awesome, whatever. Anyway. Uh, is the Scream TV series, and this was a TV series that aired pretty much this summer. It was it was pretty much like mostly through like you know late July, early August of this year, and pretty much it's it, it was a ten episode series, and it it, it kind of attempts to put a fresh spin on the Scream franchise. Like it's not really related to any of the pre-existing, like the four previous movies, and it kind of tells its own story. It has, you know, obviously certain certain caveats, certain tropes of the previous films and everything, but you're introduced to a whole bunch of students at a small town named Lakewood, and it kicks off with a high school student getting murdered, and do you want to go into that, Tony, a little bit of, of some of your ire and, and anger over who is actually getting murdered? I, I think they tried to replicate 
what was done in the original movie by getting a big name star to Oh uh, yeah, so they thought. Yeah, basically we are introduced to Nina, who's a little rich girl, and apparently she's kind of a bitch. She's with her boyfriend and or or, or just a guy, and he's trying to make time with her and they're in a car. And she's like, you know, whatever, you know, you're not getting any of this, buddy, or whatever you want to say. <laughs> she goes into her nice, big, palatial mansion of a house. Her parents are away. And she, as as horror movies go, especially Scream, she starts getting text messages. And, like, and at first, they're kind of flirty, to her, anyway. And she's changing, and, like, you know, she's in, like, a bikini and stuff. My God, this girl has, like, no figure. Yeah, I felt, I, I just wanted to, to say that when I was watching this, the fact that it was on MTV and and uh, as Tony and I will attest to like we're we're coming pretty close up there on you know I I know I'm going to be 38 this year like in in about a month but by the time you hear this I will be 38 so spooky dooky time travel and all that kind of stuff and and you know Tony is in my age range and everything so like I I just felt kind of like I was watching like little kids sometimes and it was like weird yeah. because obviously they were hyper sexualized you know and and she's running around in a bikini and you know, her underwear and going into the pool and all this kind of stuff. And so I was like, man, I, you know, I don't know. There, there, there was that aspect to it where I was like, dude, I, I, I kind of felt old, like, because I was like, you know, I, I, I do see those frequent comments, like when people watch like Arrow or the Flash on the CW and they're like, oh, you know, the CW, all they do is cast young and pretty people. And I'm like, if you feel that way about the CW, if you watch shows on MTV, like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, holy crap. Like, I, I guess I either understand what the people who watch the CW feel like, or it's just a thousand times increased. You know, it's like, well, it's like, I, I was like, training. I, I watch, in, like, in I the, watch Arrow, it'd be like, Felicity is, is gorgeous. She's a really pretty woman, but she's a woman. And I'm like, MTV, I'm like, Oh, well, you're a cute little 19-year-old something, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm not sure if it's illegal or not. I'm really not. You know? Derek, Derek you, you've got eight years on me, and I felt creepy. Yeah, like, yeah. So, okay. So just as long as just as long as as we're clear on that, like that's that that is something that that I felt like, especially when she's like like Tony's saying, she's she's texting and she. I think she's trying to like talk to Siri. Like they they really tried to update all the the current modern gadgets to sell them to the the MTV youth. I imagine you know it's like they had to get all that high tech gizmos and and newfangled stuff I, in there. I kind of want to talk about that, but let Tony finish what you were saying what Derek was saying about my ire. I actually did watch a lot of the original Scream franchise. I think I missed three. I saw the first two, and I saw the the kind of soft reboot in, like, early 2000s. My God, guys, Scream is, like, 20 years old. I'm old. Anyway, but, like, in the first one, we had, like, Drew Barrymore, and she's, like, the celebrity who gets killed. And then, like, in the, like, newest one, and it was, like, well, the last newest one, it was, like, Jada Pinkett Smith, you know, and I'm just, like, you know, hey, this is kind of neat, you know, like, celebrities getting off, and, like, you know, it's all in good fun. And this, it was like, the only reason I knew who it was, and again, to cement how old I am, is like, I recognized the girl because she used to start a Disney show that my ex-girlfriend, her son, who was three, used to watch on Disney Channel. And her name is Bella Thorne, and if it weren't for that, I wouldn't know who the hell this girl was. <laughs> See, I, I didn't know who the hell she was, but when I was reading all the, the behind-the-scenes type stuff, 
apparently she was offered the role of Emma, who is the lead character, who basically is is kind of the analog to, I guess, Sydney, you know, in in the traditional movies. So she is the you know the lead girl character, Emma, and apparently she was offered the role of Emma, but you know, supposedly she turned it down because she wanted to be the the Drew Barrymore, you know mega celebrity who gets off in the beginning but like if you're giving an interview about getting off in a magazine like where's the surprise like like i I mean i didn't know she was famous so to me i just figured oh this is you know this opening scene basically recreates in some ways you know without all the the siri and and nonsense that you're you're adding into the scene but i mean essentially it recreates the opening scene of the original screen with Drew Barrymore. You know, somebody's getting harassed on the phone and then there's a, a boyfriend, you know, uh, outside with the, you know, tied up in the chair and all that kind of nonsense. Right. So, so it, it kind of recreates that vibe, that scene. But if, if your goal is to shock somebody because you, I mean, the original thing was you were supposed to think, Oh, Drew Barrymore is a big star. Like, yeah, and like obviously there was, there, she's gonna. There's she's no gonna, internet. We didn't know this was going to happen. Yeah. She well, the, the the thing, the shock of it was supposed to be like you know Janet Lee in Psycho it was supposed to be like you know th- this major motion picture star is going to last longer than five minutes in this movie, and then when they don't, you're just like, oh, now the wheels are off the the car and anything can happen because if you just killed a major star, then any of these characters you're introduced to are supposed to progress. Didn't they also, like, sell it like that? Like, Drew Barrymore was, like, billed as, like, a main cast yeah. member? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, she was yeah, on the all the poster. trailers, there was always, like, the phone call, and she was like, hello, was, like, do you like right. scary movies? And just, like, scream. And that's like, oh, Drew Barrymore's a star, yeah. But but in this case, it seems like they sold it as, hey, guess what, I'm Drew Barrymore, I'm gonna get killed in the first few minutes, it's gonna be <laughs> awesome. And I'm kind of like... I'm kind of like, well, where's the fucking surprise then? Like, I mean, I didn't read that interview. Like I said, I don't know who she is, but it just seemed kind of like like the majority of this cast, like something bubble headed and stupid where I didn't I I had a tough time. I mean, we'll get into this as we talk about it more, but I I did have a tough time relating to any of the characters and finding them likable. I mean, there are some exceptions. And I'll speak up for those characters. I, but, I'm pretty sure I already know who me and Derek are going to secret brother, but I'll let him reveal that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, there there's that kind of aspect to it. I mean, I I kind of felt myself. I I don't know if this is getting too political about it, but I did kind of feel like, especially in that opening, it's like you've got it's supposed to be a small town, but yet her house. This character, Nina, I mean, I guess she's supposed to be from the popular crowd and she's supposed to be rich and all this other stuff. But it just seemed like all the kids in this this small town had the swankiest houses, the coolest tech, the sleekest cars, the biggest garages. Like, And, and I just kind of thought, is this kind of like a, a, a passive aggressive thing for like the the people who go and protest with like the 99%? So that they can watch all these, you know, quote unquote, one percenter little kids that, you know, go out there and, and have everything like get killed. But then again, I, I also see the commentary that a lot of people that protest don't have jobs and are kids and do have the latest tech. So I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't know if it goes both ways or whatever, but I was just kind of wondering, like, is that some kind of passive aggressive thing where you, you see people who have all these cool things and then you want them to pay for it, like, because Ghostface comes in and, like, you know, slashes yeah. them or something. Can I just get on, like, my, my one thought on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 
I don't, my my one point I want to bring up what you said about all the devices and the phones and all that is like I, I was watching it for the first few episodes and then throughout the whole series like uh, eventually I was just like like Emma like just just turn off your phone like the the killer has no power over you if you just shut off your phone but like every time <laughs> it's like every time the phone rings she's like hello like she expects it to be like someone she knows or something but it's like always like the killer. Well, I, you know, like, that's one of those things, though. I mean, you got to sort of remember, I mean, I know it's been a long time for for me, but you kind of have to go back to that time. I did not have a cell phone. I did not have a smartphone when I was a teenager. But there's that point when you were a teenager, I'd say for me, it was probably when I was between 12 and 14, where you didn't have a car yet. So you couldn't go out and do anything with anybody without like a parent dropping you off or taking the bus or you know, something that just it wasn't always realistic that you were going to be able to hang out with your friends. So the only way you had any contact with them is to basically just get on a landline phone and be like, hey, what's up, dude? How's it going? What's the comics you read? Like, what did you do? Like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. I talked to this girl. She was cool. And yeah, and all this bullshit. And it's like, so, I mean, coming from that perspective, I sort of get it. But then at the same time, I, I sort of see what you're saying. Like, a lot of these kids seem to come from privilege where they do have cars and they do have all this other stuff. But then what kind of like shocked me about the whole thing is like, I'm like, they have all this cool stuff. Like she's got this $400 smartphone, but she's got to work at like the, the faux Starbucks and like, Oh, I'm working. Like I work so hard. I've got to serve people coffee. <laughs> you know? And I'm just kind of like, wait, what? Like what, what do you need to work for? Like, I, I don't know. It just, it, that, that part of it like cracked me up. Cause I was like, Oh, I guess you just had to have something to do, but or, or they were trying to play it off like some of them, even though they were in the popular crowd, they, they did, obviously did not have, you know, they did not come from money. Or like they they were trying to establish like her boyfriend, Will, like he was he, he may go to a cool college, but it's all based on his his athletic skill and, and has nothing to do with his his financial status, you know. And so I guess in that respect, you know, but then then you start to wonder, though, well, wait, how come he has this truck? Like, how come he has you know, if he's so freaking destitute, you know what I mean? Like that he can't afford to go to college. Like, how does he get like a, uh, you know, 60 grand truck or whatever? You know what I mean? Like that. He's, that like, he's farm money. Poor. Yeah. So. That, it's that farm money. Um, I, I will say actually in defense of that, as far as realism, I have teenagers who work under me at my job. They're like, you know, the, the regular employees and I'll be damned if you will take their fucking phones away from them. It's like they're welded to their fucking hands. But so that's like that's kind of what I'm saying. Maybe we're just like too old to like understand. But I'm like, you know, just 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 let go of the phone. Like, like girl, come on. Like it's that's all you have to do is like just take a. You know, I felt like her mom should have like been like, I have a solution to this, and taken her phone and hit it with a hammer or something. There, no more harassment. Like, I've actually had like teenagers come up to me at my work and be like. Tony, can, can you charge my phone in the office? And I'm like, I guess. And I look at the phone, it's got like a 68% charge. They're, that word is going to die. And like, I'm over here, my like phone's on the red, and I'm like, it's good for another 30 minutes. <laughs> Music on. Tyler? You can't do a slasher movie as a TV series. Slasher movies burn bright and fast. <laughs> Nina, are you home? By the time the first body is found, <laughs> it's only a matter of time before the bloodbath commences. 
say get a room, but I don't want the clean up. You slept with Nina. No. Um, wait. You have a dark mind. You have no idea. Everyone has secrets. Everyone tells lies. And everyone is fair game. So I, I guess just to sort of give a overview, and, and hopefully people can follow this, but this is, obviously this is kind of complicated. It's a large cast of characters. It's a big ensemble cast. And, you know, there's lots of potential suspects. There's lots of potential victims. But the, the, the cool crowd, which Nina was a part of, and then, and then her boyfriend, who, who gets his head thrown into the spa or whatever. So they both get killed by Ghostface, essentially. And... Um, Eric, I was going to ask you, is he actually yeah. called Ghostface in this? He's, he's, it's funny, he's not, I think on the, the Scream Wikia, they just refer to him as Ghostface anyway. Like, basically, the, this lore for the backstory, the, the reason why the character has a mask, the reason why it's spooky, I guess, is it's supposed to be based on an actual serial killer from the town's past. So I guess in Lakewood's past, there was a kid named Brendan James, and I think he was supposed to have been afflicted with kind of the same syndrome like Eric Stoltz had in Mask, basically. Like, I, I think yeah, he, his face... Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think. I mean, I, I don't know the specifics of it, but basically, like, he was always having surgery on his face, and, and he was always having, like, corrective things done, you know, in the hospitals and everything. So... What the mask of Ghostface is supposed to represent is that he had to wear all these different surgical masks, and I guess they were protective masks after he had this surgery performed on his face. So there are all these masks from this old destitute hospital, and you know, eventually after you go through the course of the series and, and learn all this kind of stuff, it's part of the unraveling mystery, you, you find out that those, those masks are based on Brendan James's face and they're basically they were designed to protect his face and then it looks like these you know these new murderers basically took those masks and kind of you know probably you know ghosted them up a bit and 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 kind of you know made the as close as you can get to the traditional looking ghost face I mean I don't know if we want to talk about that I I wasn't really overly bothered by the look I mean I know no, I know yeah you know, like, I, I know some people had that adverse reaction of, they can't even use the mask from the films, and it's like, I don't know, to me it's close enough, but I, I don't know if there's some people, like, I, I know, like, Jan, for instance, like, I know you haven't seen the TV series, but you've been a fan and watched all the, the movies and everything, and, like, you seem to have an initial gut reaction to it as well, like, was it bothersome for you, like, seeing what what this new ghost face looked like? Well, I like I've only just seen pictures of the costume for the first time in the last half hour and no, it doesn't bother me. It is uh, intriguing that it's very different, but yeah, it it's it's fine. Okay. Okay. I'm just curious. Like well, I I know I know I wasn't overly bothered by it. Well, and like not only that, but in the movies, it was like pretty firmly established that like the killers they literally bought their costume at like a costume store or at a Walmart. It was not yeah. like yeah, it became iconic because of the movie, but 
it was originally just like, you know, a fucking $10 costume they bought at the store. Yeah. It already existed prior to the film. I guess what I was trying to set up before is that after after Nina gets killed and her boyfriend gets killed, the I guess you'd say like the king and queen of the the popular crowd have been slain and were introduced to all these various characters at the Lakewood High School. And of course, some of them are very close to the king and queen of the popular crowd. And the, I'd say the core popular group is one of our, you know, the lead character I described before that's kind of a counterpart to, to Sydney Prescott, and her name is Emma. And so Emma's part of that crowd. Now, there's other characters in that crowd. There's a girl named Brooke, who was kind of, I guess, Nina's maybe second in command or something. Like, she, she seems kind of bitchy and unlikable to me. I mean, she seems cute, but you know, of course, not cute enough that I'd want to risk jail time. You know what I mean? Like, where it's like, okay, she seems bitchy and cute, and that's about all there is to her. Like, she seems kind of like a superficial, kind of what I was describing before. She comes from that background. Her dad is the mayor. You know, her mom's off, you know, supposedly vacationing, like, abroad, you know, just on, on sabbatical and stuff like that. And, you know, she's got a garage full of cars and, and all this kind of, you know, basically high-class, you know, living quarters and, and all these kind of things. And then there is the character Will that I mentioned before, who is Emma's boyfriend. And he's part of the popular crowd because he's a jock because he's going to get a football scholarship. But other than that, I guess he doesn't come from the same wealth, but he still is part of the popular crowd because of his looks, because he's going out with Emma. And he's got a buddy named Jake who seems a little kind of slimy, but he's also part of the popular crowd. He seems to have a thing for Brooke. There is a cute Asian girl who I thought was really cute and probably was like, oh, she's really nice, so they're probably going to kill her. And, like, you know, that's basically what happens. Like, you know, spoilers or whatever. But, like, she, to me, like, like I don't know if Tony's going to seek her brothers me on it or whatever, but her name's Riley. And, and like, she seemed to be, like, to me, uh, of the popular crowd that I just described. Like, she seemed to be the, the nicest one, because what ends up happening is they're all kind of related to some of the non-popular kids in ways, where Riley makes friends with a kid named Noah. And Noah basically is, and, and I think Jan's going to have to help me out on this, because it's been a while since I've seen the movies, but the, it's, it's He's the, the guy character. He knows everything about horror movies. Yeah, it's it, what's his name? Jamie, whatever uh, his name is. Uh, Jamie Kennedy played the character. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. And so he, he played Randy. Randy. Okay. So that that's what we need. So so Noah basically is kind of the the Randy counterpart if we're comparing the original to the to the television series. And yeah, so Jamie Kennedy played that character, and and like Tony was saying, he was the character that was self-referential he he delivered all the kevin williamson dialogue in the original movie that you know i'll be right back like don't don't you know virgins don't get killed yada 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 my, my nickname for him was young topher grace <laughs> <laughs> I, th I thought i mean you know i i kind of liked him too because i think i think he's that character that represents us as fan holes you know i mean he he works in basically a, a video game slash comic i don't know it was some kind of amalgamation of of a, a geek paradise store it wasn't quite a comic store it wasn't quite a dvd 
Blu-ray Laserdisc aficionado store, and it wasn't quite a video game store, but it seemed to be all of those things. You know, they had these cool big screen TVs there for them to game on. They had like characters reading comic books and, and all this other kind of stuff. So, I mean, from that perspective, you're like, oh, he's a cool geek character. And you're like, oh, and I'm sure they'll make him the killer so all of us geeks can feel bad about ourselves or whatever. I mean, that's kind of where my thought process was when I was introduced to him. You know, but he did seem to be the self-referential character who was constantly bringing up comparisons. You know, and, and in this case, you know, obviously Scream, like Tony was saying, is almost 20 years old. So they're referring to movies from the 80s like Friday the 13th and, you know, probably like Freddy because Wes Craven directed it and all these other kind of, you know, cool horror references. And in this case, I think, you know, there's there's settings where they're in school and they're in this drama class with this teacher named Peterson and they're all doing, I think, dramatic scenes and stuff. And I think he brings up, you know, the fact that there are the, these killings going on. And I, I think it's self-referential because you have that discussion about, well, a movie, you know, you, you'd get people killed right away and the plot would get moving right away. But on a TV series, you got to stretch it out and like the characters and have romance and do all this other stuff and then kill them type thing. And, and I think, yeah. you know, and, and he brought up, I think, comparisons to probably a lot of other franchises that were migrated over to TV, like Hannibal. And I'm trying to remember the other TV shows he mentioned, maybe like Psycho that was on TV, like things oh, like American that. Horror, American Horror. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there, there were other, you know, he, he made self-referential commentary about you know, television franchise horror being ported over within the context of this this universe and everything. And besides him, there's also probably another character, if you're a fan of Arrow, that you'd recognize right away, is there's a character named Audrey. And Audrey, I think, is kind of like the... I guess I'd describe her as like, if you, if you know, like, The Breakfast Club, she's kind of like the Ally Sheedy of the school, where she's kind of like an outsider... And she's played by the actress who plays Sid on Arrow, who was Black Canary's kind of like, what, what do you call it? Her Holly. Like her her protege <laughs> you know, kind of, yeah. Holly to her Catwoman kind of whatever. And, and, and all, you know, all the insinuations that that implies are obviously visited in this TV series as well. Because she is, uh, I guess, on the... I don't know, it's funny watching all the people argue over this description on the Scream Wikia, but she has a girlfriend, and part of the impetus of the popular crowd being, like, these nasty people in the context of the story is, I guess, they film her with their, you know, we're talking about all these smartphone devices, so they, they film this character, Audrey, who apparently used to be good friends with Emma, like when they were in kindergarten or some shit. But when she became part of the popular crowd, I guess she kind of dumped her because she was like the freaky Ali Sheedy chick and she was into girls and all this other stuff. So they, they kind of lost track of one another and, and weren't as good friends as they used to be. But Audrey, of course, is good friends with Noah because he's the geek guy and he knows what it's like to be ostracized and, and all that kind of good stuff. So they, they have a good friendship and bond and all that kind of stuff. And I think... Like, they film Audrey making out with this other girl named Rachel, and then they post, I, I forget what they do, I think they, like, post it, 
or they 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 put it on a server or something. So like it's Instagram up on it or something. It, yeah, it, it's like some fake YouTube or whatever it is, you know. And everybody, you know, it, it starts out with like one hit and it gets like two million hits. And of course, you know, it, it basically it publicly outs Audrey because she's primarily on camera. And I guess the girl Rachel, like you could only see the back of her head or something while they were making out. So she's not. She's not as, I mean, I guess she's embarrassed by the whole thing, but she's not, she's not outed per se, I guess. And, and I guess what I was talking about with the Scream Wikia is I, I think on the page they describe Audrey as being bi-curious. And then I saw a bunch of argumentative comments like, what do you mean bi-curious? She's kissing a girl. She's a lesbian, you know, and, and I guess people got into a big fight over how she was described or whatever. But anyway, I, I think that's I was, neither here nor just... there, but. I would describe her as the PC lesbian who is not in my face and I don't mind. She's not like just always like, I like girls, you know, so. She, I mean, she, she seemed like a cool laid back chick when you're introduced. Yeah, yeah. She, especially when, when, you know, she's interacting with Noah, like she seems to be a good friend to him and everything. And, you know, just, you know, it's kind of like uh, maybe she likes the same geek stuff that he likes, you know, so it's like, what's the, you know, there, there's not much harm in that, you know, they're just kind of enjoying the same type of you know, entertainment together and, and they have a bond because, you know, conceivably Noah is not, you know, like, like Mike said, he is, uh, you know, what'd you call him? Like young Topher Grace or something? Yeah. You know, the as, way he talks. Yeah. It just, it seemed like, the I, I, I think it's funny. Cause I think I, all I think of with Topher Grace is like Foreman. So it's like baby Foreman, you know, or whatever, but you know, so, so uh, you've got those characters that, that already have a bunch of bonds and then, uh, you know, I mean, there, there is some, tension you know obviously the jock characters and the kind of slimy character jake like they they they're not too fond of quote-unquote nerds or whatever and shit like that you know so you've got that kind of tension between the kids and everything so you're already kind of suspect of like oh do the do the nerds hate the popular kids and are they suspects do the jocks hate the nerds for you know getting vengeance on them like i think uh, at one point Jake's car, I forget what it says on it, but somebody, somebody, you know, basically vandalizes Jake's douche. car. Yeah, it puts douche on it and everything. So it's like, the, does, does, you know, does Jake want vengeance because somebody wrote douche on his car? Like, you know, you've got all these kind of suspects already and they're laying the groundwork well, for them. Well, Jake is a fucking douche. Like, he, he refers to say, himself, he refers to himself in the third person and not in a funny, ironic way. Well, he doesn't, he's not like, he's not like the Silver Surfer must blah, 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 the spaceways. It's like, he, he's like, dude, the Jake, you know, and you're like, yeah, the, Jake? the rock. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like, I, I, like when, when he was like stabbed and stuff and like Brooke is like weeping over him, he like wakes up and he's like, you weep over the Jake. And I'm like, oh, fucking kill him. <laughs> <laughs> See that, that I think was the problem is. The, the the characters, well, I, I'd say at least for Riley, like, I thought Riley was cute. Like, she basically ends up liking Noah, the geek character, and, and you can tell she's she's a little geeky. But she's also kind of cute and hot, and then, of course, I felt dirty because, you know, it seems like she's one of those actresses, like Tony mentioned, like the, the famous actress who gets killed in the opening scene. Like, it sounds like she's been in a lot of like Disney Channel original type stuff. Cause it, it was funny when I was going through the IMDb, it's like there's the pictures of her now where she's, you know, an attractive young lady. But then as you keep clicking through the photo set on IMDb, it's like pictures of her when like she's 11 on like the Disney Channel or something. And you're like, Oh, 
Like, this isn't good, you know, so. But it's like. That's why I was okay with Audrey, because at least Audrey, I knew she was an arrow. I know she's, like, at least in her early 20s, and I'm like, she's cute, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, and and, and I think, like I said, if you you were watching Arrow already, and then, um, I'm trying to think, what else was she on recently? She was on something else recently. Was she on on Grimm? Mm, I don't think that's what I was thinking of. But, But I know she's been on, like, other TV shows where I've been like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, you know. It's a chick from Arrow. Like, that's cool. You know, like, I mean, it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, I've seen her pop up more and more. So it's like, she's kind of like, not only is she a cool, like, geek chick or whatever, but she she was familiar. Like, her face was familiar to me. So so there was a little more kind of like, oh, like, uh, you, like almost like you trusted her a little bit more just because her face was kind of familiar. And you're like, oh, yeah, she helped out the Black Canary. Like, she's she's probably nice. You know, like that kind of thing. That's yeah. kind of how. By, by the way, she's the only actress I knew. When I said I knew earlier, I, I know who Bella Thorne is as far as her name. And I saw her as, like, someone who was familiar. But it took me a minute. And I was just like, who is she? And I was like, oh, I, my God, fucking Disney Channel. <laughs> I, I just thought of I, – I wrote down in my notes. I just thought of what it was, or I, I just looked at my notes instead of just rambling off the top of my head like I normally do. She was also on an episode of iZombie, and that's what I was thinking of. Oh, so okay. she, she was like a, a – you know, again, like kind of like a, a kid suspect in some kind of, you know, homicide thing that Liv was investigating or whatever with the, the, the cop or whatever. So Did I was like, oh. she a chip on her shoulder? I'm sure she did. I'm sure yeah, she's like, like, that she, seems, she seems to be typecast as that. So. She's got to be like, uh, leave me alone. Do I get to do my awesome intro now, Derek? Yeah, yeah, please do. Please do. All right. Along with all these other teenagers in a school full of class wars and mysterious killings, there's a man named Kieran, a mysterious stranger who's at least 29, who comes to this high school, and he's got a past. We don't know what's going on with him, but we're going to find out. Ah, Kieran. Kieran, the, the broody, has nice hair, has good looks, and is like, hey, I know, like, you've got a boyfriend, but, like, he doesn't treat you so good, so, like, hang out with me in the green room, and we'll be cool and hang out together. Like, I, I think immediately <laughs> when I saw him, I was kind of like, oh, like, he's probably, like, it reminded me, because I, I think... You, if if you're of a certain age where you've seen the original Scream, like, I, I couldn't help but think, like, the majority of those films revealed that there were multiple killers. So I wasn't so willing to kind of, like, do the checklist where I was like, oh, look, you know, Ghostface shows up and these people are in the room. So obviously I'm going to rule them out as suspects because I was like, what if somebody's working with somebody? Like, what if the Jake is working with this new kid, Kieran, and they're both you know, ghost facers or whatever, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, it doesn't quite rule out like all the suspects and everything. And I, I um, was calling, if, if Noah was Topher Grace, I was calling him Luke Perry. Ah, Luke I, I, I got Luke Perry vibes from him too, because he's obviously older. He has got to be in his late 20s. He, he does do like cool Luke Perry stuff though, because there's that sequence where, where, you know, as we're calling him like, you know, baby foreman, you know, he, he, baby foreman, like, is out. I guess the, some jocks, there's like a party, and they force him out into the middle of the, the, I guess the, what is it? Like, not the dock, but it's like some kind of lake where the, the serial killer, Brendan James, met his uh, final the, fate. The, the pier. The, the pier. pier. So it's, it's like all creepy and everything. And then, like, he's, he, he can't swim out there because he, they push him under or something like that. And, you know, of course, Kieran it, does the Luke Perry bit. He, like, takes off his shirt. 
and is like all the girls are like, and then he like he he runs out there and does like an Aquaman and like pulls him out of you know stops him from drowning and everything, and that's basically like oh dude he's a cool guy he did you know he did Noah a rock solid like he saved his life you know and it was one of those things where it's like you know and 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 of course even though he's new in town. Like, there, there's also, like, this semi-adult cast of characters, and I say semi-adult because I recognize all of them from 90210, <laughs> the original 90210 that me and Tony watched when we were, like, 13 or whatever. And, oh, my God, uh, is that where the mom is from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she Andrea? Ma- no, she's not. She's not one of the main cast, but she was on nine oh. Oh, like like Mag. The 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 mom's name is Maggie. That's Emma's mom, and she plays the coroner at the police station. And then the sheriff, his name's Sheriff Clark, and he also was on nine oh two and oh because he was like Kelly's boyfriend or something. So like like I remember them both like distinctly as like to me I was like, dude, how come all the adults in this are from like Aaron Spelling Productions? Like, it's like, they don't feel like adults to me, because they just feel like old, like, teeny bopper-ish people who were playing, like, 19 when they were 30, and now, like, they're 50, but they're playing, like, they're... 30? 30? I don't know what. 30 yeah. You know, like, I was just like, I don't know what's going on, I'm so confused, but, like, like they, they too, were also familiar to me, so even though they're, like, playing a 30... It would be like me and... It'd be like me and Derek playing uh, a high school girl's cool college boyfriend now. Right, right, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> kind of like you're kind of like, wait a minute, this is this is not quite right, but that's okay. You know, I forgive you, TV show. I forgive you. <laughs> you got some nine hundred two one zero, so you're happy, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, they 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 were definitely familiar. I mean, I, I, I I'm kind of like to me, like it's it's an interesting context. Cause again, like we're, we're kind of saying like, I mean, even Mike said to a degree, he's like, Oh, well I'm, I'm, you know, he, we've got eight or so years on him, but he felt kind of odd looking at all these, you know, quote unquote high school girls or, or whatever it is. And it's like, it, it seems strange to me. Like, I don't know if this is just a, a fictionalized fantasy of what happens in high school or not, but it seemed to me to be more like college, type stuff to me because it's like there's underage drinking there's all this like sort of frat boy sorority bullshit you know because they're like the cyberbullying and the hazing and it's like it's like a lot of that stuff where it's like nina was like the mastermind and and was shooting this video with audrey and of course audrey is being cyberbullied i guess right and and that would yeah. give her a motivation to to potentially be maybe a, a ghost face person or whatever and then you've got you know the rest of Nina's cadre, but it's like a, a lot of them seem like, well, I didn't want to go along with it, but like I had to go along with it because they're like my friends and blah and all this peer pressure stuff. And and uh, you know, to me, it's like, okay, well, you know, and then, and then on top of that, I, I we haven't really gotten into this yet, but the character Brooke I was talking about that you feel uncomfortable if she's like walking around in a bikini or whatever because you feel like the police are gonna like knock on your door for watching this movie or whatever. The teacher, the guy named Mr. Branson, he's like one of those, like, I'm a Dawson's Creek teacher. So yeah, it's like, he's I'm, a hot teacher. It's yeah. like, I'm a hot young teacher, and I'm like 23, and she's like 16. And you're just like, whoa. And apparently oh, yeah. they're, they're, they are having a illicit relationship that nobody knows about. And so, like, I'm kind of like, well, so you've got underage drinking and, and hazing and teacher student nookie and like all this kind of stuff. And I just, 
I kind of went, really? Like, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be salacious type stuff because it's MTV, but I don't know. Uh, I, I, uh, whereas Mike was saying that uh, Noah reminded him of uh, baby Eric Foreman or baby uh, Topher Grace. Yeah, Brooke reminds me of like 17-year-old Jamie Presley. Huh, okay. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, it, face, it's yeah. weird. Like, I just, I mean, like, kind of like what Mike was saying, like that, that there's that, I don't know, for me, I was... I was slightly uncomfortable, and I think I got used to it midway through when they stopped putting them in, like, bikinis and, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes it was more happenstance where it's like she's she's in the theater with the teacher, and then they're getting undressed, and then the killer comes out, and it's like, oh, well, now she's got to, like, run away from him. So I was like, oh, well, that was in the middle of something, so it didn't feel so forced. But it seems like a lot of these things, it's like, it's a party, let's take off our clothes and go. Well, let's go skinny dipping or what you know shit like that, and you're just kind of like okay. It's, it's kind of like, like uh, it's, it's kind of like that '70s show because I found this out recently after the show had ended, made me incredibly uncomfortable. Kelso, who's Ashton Kutcher, I guess was in his like early early twenties uh, when they were filming even the first couple episodes. Mila Kunis was like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think the, the she way lied the, about her age. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the way the the PR story goes. Like she had to lie about her age just to, to be on the show. But yeah, I don't know. I, now I, yeah, now you know what? Yeah, stick his tongue down your throat. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know what though? I I don't believe shit like that though because I I don't know for some reason like I've I've seen enough stuff where women always have to lie about their ages, and it's like even though you think it's creepy. In the Hollywood context, the younger someone is thought of as, the longer career she's going to have. So, like, who knows? Maybe she was 18, but she's just telling everybody she was 14. So now they all think she's 22, even though she's 27. <laughs> it's possible. Like, I, I, yeah. I've, I've just seen things. Like, that's, that's, that's how it works usually. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know it's creepy and weird, and that's just the way it is, but that's, that's something I've seen. I, can we can we also talk about and and this is something that that um, Jan might be able to speak on and everything, but there's the character in the original films, Gail Weathers, and Gail Weathers was what she was like a news reporter, right? Like yeah. that's, she was like she worked for like the TV station or whatever and was covering all the the scream murders and all that kind of stuff. So we've got another character in this that is is kind of equivalent to to Gail, and her name's Piper. But the, the main difference in, you know, Piper and Gale is that, I guess, along the same lines of using Siri and having smartphones and all this kind of modern-day technological stuff that, that kids are being inundated with at a very early age, Piper is, like us, a podcaster. And what is Piper podcast about? She podcasts about crime scenes. So... She is there under the auspices that she is kind of a reporter, but she actually does podcasts about what happens. And apparently, it is super popular, and everybody listens to Piper's podcast, whatever the hell it's called. I can't remember. And and I thought that sounded kind of like weird to me at first because I was kind of thinking. I, I think it's actually called a uh, crime holes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what. I, I yeah I, I I at first I was kind of a, a podcast for murderers by murderers. <laughs> <laughs> no no spoilers but yeah I, I just 
I think I was really dismissive of it at first because I was like, you can make a living off a of podcast? Bullshit. That can't be possible. You know, I know because we're doing it right now. And nobody's paying us. Uh, you know, uh, do you know how pissed off I was that her fictional podcast that doesn't exist gets more hits than our real podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of bummed out about that. There are a lot of sick fucks out there. <laughs> you, you know what was funny, though, was, was ironically, I, I was listening to another podcast and they recommended, I guess, a, a national public radio podcast. And I think it was called Serial. And it sounded very similar to Piper's podcast, where I guess they talk about like serial murderers on a podcast. And I just thought, well, if it's national public radio, maybe she does get paid for talking about serial killers. So maybe I was wrong, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. My first impulse was, this is bullshit. You can't, can't make, you can't be like a, a legitimate podcaster, <laughs> you know, like nobody's going to, Oh yes, ma'am. Come through the crime scene. We're going to, we're going to uh, pull back the, the yellow tape for you. Cause you're a crime podcaster, you know, but, but yeah. and it, know, it, it's guess, like interesting guess, because, yeah. Because, like, all throughout the, the, the series, you know, you're used to Gail Weathers from the original movie, who was, just for fun, I want to mention this, Courtney Cox Arquette at the time, and her husband at the time, David Arquette, was the, the bumbling cop Dewey. I always liked that, that little pairing, I don't know why. With her, it's it's funny because she's usually carrying around some kind of mobile device and just literally taking audio clips and interviews and stuff, and I'm like, you can do that? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It, it kind of... I guess, you know, I'm I'm old, like you, Derek, or even Mike. I don't know if Mike was like, really? I, I was like flummoxed. I was like, really? Even the older chick is like just totally in tune with like technology and does a podcast and everything. And she's yeah. not much older. She's like in her mid-20s probably. And, and I, I think this will, th- this will come up as we continue to talk <laughs> about the show. But one thing I sort of want to keep a tally of is deaths. And in the first episode... We uh, talked about Nina, Nina and, and, of course, her boyfriend. So I'm, I'm willing to say that, you know, okay, there, there were definitely two specific on-camera deaths that, that we observed in the pilot. And then in the second episode, the, the character who is killed is the girl Rachel that I mentioned that, that Audrey was making out with that was in the cyberbullying video, but nobody saw her face. And I guess they try to to cover it up as a suicide, like try to say that she was so embarrassed by the leak of the video, even though her face wasn't on the, the YouTube or whatever that she hung yeah, herself. Only, only Audrey really knew. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so there's that aspect to it where people who are close to our main cast of characters are, are of course getting killed by the third episode. We have, Unfortunately, like who was my, you know, my favorite character to that point, who I actually thought was kind of nice. I mean, even though I guess she sort of went along with the crowd, it seemed like she was trying to break away from that by trying to date Noah and everything. And there's these kind of, you know, kind of like what he was describing in being self-referential, that, that you had to like the characters first before you killed them. It's even that whole Uncle Ben philosophy that that Brian Michael Bendis had, where it's like, oh, let's have six issues of cool, hippie Uncle Ben. And then, you know, of course, you know, his wife, I think the famous story was like, oh, he's got to die. Like, oh, that's too bad because I really liked him. And so that I guess that's what, you know, ideally, that's what you would want. You would want, you know, somebody. And I think that worked on me, at least with Riley, where I was like, Oh, I really like Riley. She's, she's sweet. She's nice. She goes out on the football field with Noah. They're, you know, he's about to lose her virginity together, and and you know, 
could do a bunch yeah, of he, stuff he, together, and it, it seemed sweet to me, like, at least yeah, at that really, point. He didn't give a shit about Nina or her boyfriend or even Rachel, because Rachel never got any character development. She was always just like, anytime you heard about Rachel, it was pretty much Audrey talking about her. Yeah, she wasn't she wasn't an on camera presence the majority of the time per se. So so the only character like you really got to know to this point that was killed is Riley. And and I did legitimately kind of I was kind of sad after they killed her. And she she's like trying to contact I think Noah and I think Emma I forget she was trying to call a bunch of people and she's like on the top of the police station and it's like all these cops don't see her and it's all tragic and she can't speak because of the where she's stabbed like she can barely you know breathe and talk and everything and you know it's just it's too late and she's you know she's killed and everything so that kind of sucks and additionally like there is a kind of a Friday the 13th style flashback to some of the Brendan James murders in that episode. But I don't, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it was on camera, but it happened a long time ago in the context of the story. So I'm not really counting that, but I, all I'm trying to illustrate is to this point, there's been deaths in, in every episode that we've seen to that point. But as the series continues in the fourth, fifth, sixth episodes, there are no deaths. Like yeah, it comes that kinda, to a, yeah, it that comes to a, it comes to a grinding halt, and a lot of it is this is the exposition episodes. Like this is where they tell you about you know the surgical masks and what's going on. This is where Emma's getting a lot of kind of like Riddler clue messages from the killer, leading her in certain directions. You know they they go to the hospital to try and figure out what this backstory is. And there's all these clues dropped and everything, you know, in the meantime, you know, the, the reason why again, Brooke was not around and, and Riley got killed is because she was answering a booty call from that teacher that they, she was having that illicit relationship with. So there's like all these like relationship things and, and, you know, you know, basically, you know, the, the boyfriend to Emma gets a scholarship and and like he's basically like there's a subplot with him and jake where it turns out there was some kind of secret video that they all had of them having sex with nina and and there's some kind of blackmail thing going on where they're trying to blackmail the mayor which is brooke's dad and if the jake really likes the brooke it's like why is he trying to blackmail her dad for money and he doesn't really need the money. And apparently he tries to turn it around on Will and be like, well, you're never going to get into the Duke University. The Jake says you're not going to get into the Duke unless you get some money, <laughs> you know, and, and shit like that. You got a- Emma, like, you know, having unrequited feelings for this mysterious stranger, Kieran. Right, yeah. right. He's, he's a nice guy and everything, or so it seems, even though he's the new kid on the block. And then... It, it, it continues on with like all this relationship stuff. And what ends up happening in the fifth episode is that the, I, I think that's the episode where they find some information. I think it's Audrey and Noah, and they think they're going to like unlock this uh, SIM card that has like all these secrets on it. But what it does is actually trigger a file upload to a outside server. And that, file was i guess nina's black book of stuff like her treasure trove of of 
stuff to hold over people's heads. And I guess it's a video of Emma losing her virginity to Will. Like, I was kind of, I remember when I first yeah. watched that, I was kind of confused. I was like, so what just happened exactly? Like, what was so bad? Like, I was like, doesn't everybody already know they're stripping each other? Or did they not? I don't know. I was kind of, like, I wasn't even sure it was Will at first. Like, I was kind of wondering if it wasn't Will, would that have been more shocking? Like, that she lost her virginity to somebody who wasn't her official boyfriend or something? I don't know. But but I, I remember being slightly confused about the end of that episode. And again, it, it, you know, like I'm... It's kind of like the 80s. It was kind of like the '80s, where like there's there's these things that you know happen in real life as like teenagers do have sex and all that stuff. But in, like TV shows, when people are revealed to have sex, it's like, oh no, they actually are. It's like really, really. Well, <laughs> I, I guess it's like all these kids are watching it on their phones and they're kind of, you know, laughing at Emma when she comes to school the next day. But it, again, no deaths. Like it's all this kind of, you know, relationship stuff. And and I I don't know that once. I did enjoy Riley as a character, but I, I don't know that I ever really thought that, you know, Brooke or Emma, like, I or, you know, especially Jake and Will, like, I just, I, I thought Kieran was kind of a nice guy because he pulled Noah out of the water, and I thought that Noah was cool because he's kind of like this geek, self-referential, cool guy, even though he's probably ostracized and made fun of as a nerd, but, you know, I think all of us probably at one point or another felt that way about themselves at some point or another so again you're like well i'm gonna be the cool guy in the end so fuck all you guys you know what i mean so so i i, I mean i kind of liked certain characters but i mean the the popular kids i just i wasn't you know i'm like if you're betrayed if you're you know if you have video leaks of you like i, I don't know like you know it, i i just wasn't super crushed that like bad well, things were happening to emma well the thing about that is like you know when you're watching a show called scream and it's based off a horror movie, you expect deaths. This would be like if I was watching Power Rangers, and for three episodes straight, they were like, it's morphin' time! Nah. Yeah, we, we, we <laughs> our, our, the morphing grid is down for the next five episodes. Now we will talk yeah. about Kimberly and Tommy's relationship. <laughs> oh, no! Exactly. Ay, 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 I uploaded a video of Kimberly and Tommy having sex, Zordon! <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's... That's what's going on in these kind of episodes where it's it's yeah. all about oh, no. well it's about the salaciousness but it's not really about the the horror aspect of it so it does it, you know what it kind of reminds me of is like I, I know a lot of people lately talk about binge watching TV shows and then I know a lot of people who like us are into comic books they talk about how comics are now written for the trade and I feel like this ten episode series is like a combination of those things where, who knows, maybe if I had binge-watched all ten episodes instead of watching them from week to week, I may have gotten more enjoyment out of them. And then, you know, it, it's back to that aspect of do you do you read the comics week to week or do you wait for the trade and get the whole story in one shot? You know? And I, I, so, I will so say, that's... like, I, I binge-watched this because I was trying to, like, I, I skipped two episodes. Just let the fan holes, uh, listeners know. But I did binge watch this. I was like, I got to a midpoint. And I was like, I'll miss two episodes and I'll go through the rest. And even with that binge watching, I, I caught a lot of the episodes where nobody was getting killed. And it was just like, this is not what I want to see. This is like supernatural with no supernatural stuff. This is the Flash not running. You know, it's like, well, you know, I get and, what they're and doing. Then, yeah. And then that last episode where there were no deaths is the sixth episode. And the the main twist in that is the police suspect 
Audrey because she was going out with Rachel. They think maybe she was involved. And apparently there's this video that has this damning evidence that she took because, well, I guess one thing we didn't mention is part of their, their geek culture click. You know, Audrey apparently wants to be like a filmmaker. Like she was always taking videos. She was always uploading them on whatever YouTube site. So I guess it's, it's, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it's ironic that a YouTube video was her undoing because she was probably always uploading artistic stuff to YouTube. So she probably viewed it as this, this great medium to share art with the world. But instead, you know, the, these popular kids used it for, you know, evil quote unquote, you know, and, and used it to hurt her instead of, you know, I guess make people think or, or make people happy or, you know, for whatever reasons you, you, you want to do this, you know, just share your experiences, things like that. And, and I won't, so, I, won't, I won't, I won't reveal the plot twist. I'll let you reveal how this is important later, but it's also revealed later on that her girlfriend, Rachel was also really big into carrying her camera around everywhere and filming stuff. Yeah. So, so that, I guess that comes up in, in later plot points, but I mean, the, you know, the main thing is that while Audrey is in the police station, I guess at this point with all the deaths that have been going on and everything that's been happening, it seems like Emma and Audrey have reforged their childhood relationship. And it's like her and Noah and, and Audrey are almost like the, the kind of Scooby gang, you know, they're trying <laughs> to, to find out like, Oh, well, Ghostface sent me a text. Ghostface sent me an email. Like, let's go to the hospital. Let's figure this out. And I guess one of Noah's pastimes besides being a big geek and, being into video games and comics is apparently he's all about this Brendan James serial murders. Like he knows a lot of stuff about it. So, so they, they use his, his knowledge, you know, his insight into things to, to help along their, their Scooby gang investigation and everything. And so when, when Audrey gets pulled into the police precinct and Sheriff Clark gets choded, he gets moated because it's like he's the big bad sheriff, but then they try to make him look incompetent because the mayor's got all this political pressure on him, and they haven't really found a killer yet. So and, and also in, Piper's not Piper's not making him look too good either. No, no, not at all. And 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 they bring in this this ringer, like this other detective from I I forget if it's like FBI or something like that, but apparently it's like this old flame of his. So again, you're you're brought back to this whole. 90210 Aaron Spelling cast of people that are like, I, we used to date and it didn't go well. And it's like, oh, I can tell <laughs> you used to date, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So again, there's no death, but there's lots of that kind of, kind of backstabbing, conniving Aaron Spelling drama that's going on in the middle of the screen, which you're like, if you, if you were watching 90210, you'd probably be fine with it. But if you're watching Scream, you're kind of like, hey, what's with all this Aaron Spelling dramas? I, I want to watch, you know, Ghostface like kill some of these clueless fucks you know for an episode and and it kind of comes to a grinding halt and and just going back to audrey they she reaches out to emma because of this this newly reestablished friendship and they're like please you know whatever you do it's it's very damning this this tape this this sd card that has this video on it but please know like i did not kill anybody i'm not responsible for this but can you can you come get the SD card before the, the cops come to my house. And I guess Emma is conflicted, but eventually like, I guess her and Noah both decide like, yes, we're going to go do this. And she, she takes the SD card. And I think Audrey's intent is to just have them destroy it and never watch it. But of course, I guess the temptation yeah. is too great and she watches it. And it's a video of her 
talking to Rachel after they discover that this cyberbullying video had been posted on the, the phony YouTube. And, it, it, you know, it turns from her just being simply angry to her, like, basically incriminating herself in, in the context of this video, saying, I'm going to kill all of them. Like, I hate them for what they did to us. Like, I'm going to murder them all and fuck their faces or whatever she says. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, it's it's like basically really she gets really, really angry. And and then very, very guess, damning evidence if you look at it the wrong way. Yeah. 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 So so that's that's what she was worried about. And uh, I guess her story is apparently, you know, Rachel had taken the keys from her and threw them out of the car. And, and that stopped her from from enacting on just uh, being in a moment of, of rage. I just want the truth. OK, truth in glorious HD. Here we go. Stop filming me. No, you need to see yourself. You don't even know if Nina did this. Of course she did it. She has been torturing me my entire life. Not anymore. If we do this, we are even worse than Nina. So what, I'm supposed to just keep taking it? Screw that. People like Nina dump on everyone and you know what happens to them? Nothing. They marry billionaires and wear Prada in their climate trashing yachts because karma doesn't just happen. Sometimes you have to take it in your own hands. Audrey, please. Tonight I am Shiva the Destroyer and I am coming for that sorry bitch. When I'm done, she'll never bully anyone ever again. I said turn that off. Audrey, what did you do? Uh, hey, on. Yeah. From... All of the, I guess you'd say the synopsis of like Derek describing these characters from a nostalgic point of view, because I know you haven't had a chance to watch this series yet. We basically asked you here because you're a big fan of the original Scream uh, movies. Do these characters sound like characters you would like, or are you like, man, I really miss the old Scream guys? <laughs> well, yeah, they uh, they sound similar to characters from the films. So, yeah, I think I bond with them quickly. Cool. Well, that, that's cool, yeah. I just want to ask that. I was like, I was wondering if Jan was like, ugh, teenagers, or if he was like, you know, <laughs> I, could get, I could get with these guys. This is okay. Jan, is there any comparisons you might make based on our descriptions that we haven't already made? Like, I know we kind of made the connection between Gail Weathers and Piper, and we kind yeah. of made the connection with the Jamie Kennedy and, and, and Noah-type stuff and then Sydney and Emma but w w do any of the other descriptions cuz to me to me like Sheriff Clark does not seem like Deputy Dewey. I mean they try to the the politics they try to make him look like a clueless bumblestump or whatever but he's he's clearly yeah, not. Yeah, he's very he's competent. Yeah, he, he knows what he's doing, yeah. But I'm I'm just curious if any of the other like does the Jake remind you of anyone? Does Will remind you of anyone? Is Rose mm. Kieran or anything like that? Not necessarily, no. Okay. Okay. I'm just I, I would say Kieran, like Kieran, like to me in a way, and I'm bad about my screaming movies as far as like the actual cast. Who was Sydney's boyfriend in the first one? He, he, he had that like he, he kind of had that Luke Perry look too, didn't he? With that little yeah, that little and he was, with he the was curl serious and too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, and spoil, and spoilers. He was the he was one of the killers. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was the only killer of the first film, actually. Why is the name not coming to me here? <laughs> we asked you to do one thing, Jan. One thing. I had one job. <laughs> it's okay. We can. Uh, we can Billy Loomis. Billy Loomis. That there Billy Loomis. There you go. Yeah, I can. I can see Kieran Loomis thing. Yeah, he does kind of have a Loomis thing going on. That that makes sense. Was there was there ever like a, a young 
hip teacher that was having an affair with a girl in the screen movies? I can't remember. Is that no. something that that was never in? Okay. No. I, I think that was probably too risque back then, and now apparently it's it's all super cool, I guess. But uh, you know, yeah, a sign of the unfortunate times or something like that. Well, what do we have to eat on our second date? You know, I can't recall. But this is going to be a date to remember. No. Yes. Game's still on, and we're in the bonus round. I played by your rules. I did everything that you wanted. Where is he? I wanted you to have a little pride. Instead, you forgave his lies, just like Daisy did all those years ago. I don't forgive so easily. What did you do to him? Uh, It's what you're going to do. That's the real bitch. So, by episode seven, though, we, we do get quite the heinous holy fuck death. I don't know if if we've all uh, Mike. I know you watched the whole thing. Like, what, like you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the uh, yeah. the bisecting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was that was almost a, a Game of Thrones death moment, kind of. Yeah. You know, I don't know. The, the the thing that like made me laugh about that was like, like clearly the next episode deals with Emma dealing with that, and like they, she goes to the doctor and they give her medication and like. She has, like, PTSD. But then, like, by the end of that episode and into the next episode, it's like she forgot about it, basically, it seems like. like, I I feel like I kind of feel the same way about Noah because they set all that stuff up with Riley. And it's like he was clearly affected by it in the episode where it happened, where he's, you know, yelling at all the cops, like, where were you, man? Where were you? I was going to get laid. You know, and he's all upset and everything. And then it seems like in the subsequent episodes, it's like, Brendan James is so cool. I'm going to be self-referential. I'm going to do all this cool nerd stuff. And it's like he went back into sort of like autopilot, and it just seems like she's quickly sort of swept under the rug or forgot. I was kind of wondering, like, how long this series, like, takes place over, because it only seems like a couple weeks, maybe. But, like, yeah, like, I, I was like, man, like, I, I guess it, like the, they're so emotionally dead that they just like you know get over emotional trauma really fast or something. It, it seems to me like as far as like my time frame, this is just how I saw it. It seems to be like right before the beginning of school till like October because they have a Halloween party near the end. Hmm. Yeah, that that would make sense. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. But yeah. Like, I mean. She saw her boyfriend get cut in half with, like, a saw, like, down, like, lengthwise. Like. Well, well, the other thing, too, though, that's important about it is she didn't only see it. Like, she's the one who triggered it. Like, if she hadn't been running in that general direction and just took a moment to, like, Batman prep time it or something, like, she could have conceivably, you know, said, oh, look, there's a string here. I better not walk through it and maybe call the cops and have some, you know, bomb squad or somebody you know yeah. defuse him or something but because she was so concerned you know she was just running with abandon and didn't really you know it's like mind your surroundings daniel son you know and she I, clearly didn't you know and, like by, by the way just let everybody know i was gonna say let everybody know who's listening this would this would be will the not poor guy who went to college because we haven't yeah, said his name yet yeah it, it's interesting because he goes through some stuff where he's a not so nice character because you find out that Nina apparently bet him to to start the relationship with Emma. And so that's when Emma sort of writes him off and starts 
paying closer attention to Kieran as like a love interest. And the whole time, Will is trying to regain her trust. And one of the things he does to regain her trust is to try to reach out to the the podcasting lady Piper, and he's trying to correct that whole blackmailing the mayor thing, you know? And and they go through this whole thing, and at one point, the ghost face finds them, and, like, he narrowly escapes death, but he is, he's being dragged around by him, and, and she's concerned, you know, obviously, because they haven't found him. And then I think they do find him, he's in the hospital, and everything's hunky-dory, and everything's fine, and then that she gets a phone call, like, come on over, like, we're going to have a picnic, and then she realizes it's really Ghostface fucking with her, and this guy's trussed up in the back of the farm, and then that's when the whole gory encounter happens, and that was that was a very, I, I, I mean, at least for that, like, I mean, I know they were holding off, and, and we've been saying no deaths, no deaths, no deaths, but this one was pretty heavy, and it kind of smacked you in the face, it was almost of that sort of seven caliber death where you're like what's in the box man what's in the box so i was i, I mean i was pretty into that i thought that was a good cliffhanger you know yeah that it was very but like i'm saying like it seems like the impact was just like not all there like that's that's something you would never ever get over basically but like yeah, yeah. by the end of like the next episode one of the episodes after that she's like making out with karen again like yeah because yeah, because by the time it's the halloween party she's dressed up as mia wallace and he's dressed up as john travolta and they're they're going to a Halloween party and it's like nothing's happened. And like, yeah, there, there is that kind of weirdness to it where he's like, yeah. Hey, now we're back to the, the 90210 relationship shenanigans where we, we don't remember what happened like two weeks ago or whatever. This means if I like went to visit Derek and we hung out for a couple of days and I walked into his house and he was bisected. And then like next week I was like, Hey, welcome to Fanos podcast. Derek's not going to be here this week, but Hey, you know, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> He was a good guy. We'll miss him. In, in, a, in a similar, like, I guess I'm jumping ahead a little, but in a similar vein, like, there's another death in, like, the last episode. And I don't know, do you want to say who it is, Derek? Or, like, the, the like early on in the last episode? Yeah, the, the well, I, if if it's who you're, I think you're referring to, you're referring to, to Sheriff Clark, right? Yes. Yeah, and, and yeah. again, and again, it's, I, I think I know where you're going it's practically the exact same setup and they don't even bother to check. Right. Yeah. Is that what you're leading with it? That, yeah. And, and also like at the end, it's like, like Emma and Karen, she's like, uh, she's like, do you think we can get through this? And like, Karen's like, I think we can. And then Emma's like, well, what about your dad dying? And Karen's just like, Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> no, I mean, no, you, you know what? You know, he should have no, been I, like that, but he isn't. Like, you know what? You know what pissed me off about that is uh, basically what I was explaining is is okay. You know, fool me once, like sh you know, shame on you. But fool me twice, it's like you know, shame on me. And it's like, okay, so so she was in a big hurry. She got Will killed. All right, that's not your fault. Like you you didn't know that was set up. This guy's manipulating you and all this other stuff. But now that that's happened to you, right? It's like. Well, well, describe well, the scene with the de with the death of the sheriff, Derek. So the the well, the, 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 the full, well, yeah, yeah. Well, the sheriff tracks down Ghostface to I, I guess some you know far out shack because they they triangulate like I don't know phones or some shit like some kind of you know pinging thing where all these things are coming from you know that 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 have been you know hacked into the the feed and everything and 
So he goes out to this house, and he's like, okay, anybody there? I'm the sheriff. I'm FBI, Scully and Mulder. You know, and he's, like, announcing himself and all this other stuff, and he finds some some old photos or some newspaper clippings or some shit, and you're like, come on, man, turn around, stupid. He's right behind you. And, of course, he gets clobbered and everything. And the next time we see him, he's on the – it's the Halloween party. He's on the, the uh, you know, ghost big face screen, packed, like a live into, feed. packed into the live feed, and he's on the big screen, and, and it looks like he's all beat up and banged up and everything, and he's tied up. And so everybody's like, oh, my God. And it's like, if you don't, you know, Sydney or whatever, you know, it's like it's Emma. But it's like, Emma, if you don't fucking show up without the cops, I'm gutting him, blah, 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 and all this other bullshit. So when when all the cops show up and her mother, who's a coroner, who's supposedly trained, right? Like, she's she's got to be like a trained law enforcement person, right? Like, she's, again, just as concerned as her daughter was about Will goes right to him, unties him, and doesn't realize by untying him all his guts are going to fucking fall out. And it's like, and then, and then, like, not even, like, it's not like it's a week later. It's like they're both sitting, her and her mom are sitting in the car, and they're both, like, filleting each other, going, oh, you didn't know, honey. Oh, yeah, you didn't know either, honey. And I'm like, fuck you, you knew. Like, it happened before. <laughs> like, what do you mean you didn't know? There was nothing you could have done. They should have been like, I'm like hey, yeah, there was dumb. something you yeah. could have yeah, done. You pretty dumb. <laughs> you know, like, it should have been like, yeah. yeah, we're dumb. We totally killed our significant others. Like, we... Yeah, it's like, it's like, totally it's like you, you didn't kill him. And she was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't kill him either, honey. And they both, like, pat each other on the back. Like, they didn't fucking have any hand in it. And I'm just kind of like, come on, man. Like, you guys could have been a little more careful. Like, that... It, it, that Emma should have been like, well, at least look on the bright side. Like, now I can suck face with Karen without feeling weird that he might... He could have been my brother. <laughs> if you and, uh, what do you call the sheriff, like, got serious. Got together. Yeah, that that scene, too, was more of that 90210 relate. Like, they have that dinner where it's like, it's it's the sheriff and and Emma's mom and then Kieran Chizza. Yeah. yeah, and they're all they're all they're they're like panning around the table like everything's happy and everything, yeah. and it, it's just like oh, but this is weird because if they get married, we're kind of brother and sister, and Mark Millar is probably like you know like rubbing his boner right now as we as we say that or whatever. You know? like, it's like geez. make it a sickle, make it a sickle. <laughs> I, I was going to bring up one thing. We'll, we'll talk about this later as far as the effects, but I will say the sheriff has the fattest intestines I've ever. <laughs> well, it's not his fault, man. They had to put something in there. It's not like they were going to really get the poor guy, you know. I don't yeah. pay him enough for that. But yeah. and 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 just going back to the death count, like the 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 episode eight where Brooke is recovering from from having triggered Will's death, and there's all this hospital type shenanigans, and she's having all these. There was lots of cop outs in that episode. There was like a fake beginning sequence where I was like, "Fucking a, they're gonna kill her," and then it was just a dream and stuff which I thought sucked. And then there was, like, her seeing all these visions of Will, like, split in half, being like, dude, what'd you do to me, babe? And all this kind of stuff. And basically, even though all that stuff was creepy, like, the the only death that they mentioned on the Wikia, but I, I call bullshit on this, is the girl that Mr. Branson was apparently seeing before he was seeing Brooke. Because they get, like, a report or something that says, like, oh, you know that girl that, it's like Mr. Branson's real name is like Mr., I don't know, I forget what his real name was, but it was like so, something else. And and so he's, of course, a suspect uh, as being Ghostface. But in addition to that, he was seeing another underage girl before he moved to, 
to Lakewood, and that girl ended up dead. But I'm like, that doesn't count. Like, that's not, like, so basically to me, I'm like, nobody died in episode eight either. And then, and then apparently, like, there was a deputy who got killed, but that was off screen in episode nine. So nobody got killed there either. So again, besides Will and, and who we just discussed, like, Sheriff Clark, like, you know, th- those are the two major deaths after Riley, as far as I'm concerned. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it was like you had this whole cast of characters, but the only people who really get killed that, that are part of the main cast is the cute Asian girl who Derek likes, even though he's probably going to go to jail. There's, the, and then the two guys. The, 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 you're like, you're like, the Derek likes it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm all, the, the Derek is totally into her. You want to do the exorcist? It's classic. The power of Christ compels you. Loads of drama. Dramatic, maybe. Romantic, not so much. Do you think our scene should be romantic? I did, but you never called, so. Riley, uh, I wanted to. Like, a lot. And, you know, if I had, I would have said I want to hang out and be romantic. A lot. Wow. Is that Shakespeare? Uh, yeah, you know it. I think it's from his play, A Mid-Semester Night's Hangout. Okay. <laughs> Game on. Which better impress me? But, and then, but, 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 but on the bright side, Derek, there's so many fake outs in episode 10, it doesn't piss you off at all. Yeah, you know what? You know what? That, that, like, we can go into that because we're, we're pretty much at the end, right? It's like, it basically, the, the, there, there's a lot of fake outs in, in episode 9, too, because they, they go to see yeah. supposedly the mother of, of Brendan yeah. James. And, and Piper goes with Emma, and they identify the son of Brendan James. Apparently, Brendan James had sex with Emma's mother. They, they had a kid, and that's who they suspect is the killer. And so, naturally, they think that, that Kieran is the killer, or at least that's what they are, that's what they're pointing you to believe, that, that Kieran is most likely the killer in this case. And, and especially because the old grandmother, you know, identifies him and goes, oh, yeah, that was him. He was the burn victim. And then it's like, dun, dun, dun. And when, you know, and they spend the whole Halloween episode, like, she suspects him the whole time where it's like, you know, and, and I think Audrey finds, like, a video of him with Nina the night before she died. So it's like all this damning evidence where you're like, oh, you know, yeah. You know, and, and of course, just like Tony was but, but saying. Hey, Derek, Derek, she doesn't just find it. Because she's so technologically savvy, she finds it in the cloud. She finds it in the cloud. <laughs> I was just like, just more technological shit. I'm like, really? <laughs> I found it in the cloud. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 that's fine. No, that's perfectly acceptable. Like, we, we, it, it's fun to mention those things because obviously there was no quote unquote cloud back when they did all these other screen movies, you know, not, not labeled as such anyway. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and, and, and they spend all this time like bickering with one another. And then in the meantime, you know, Sheriff Clark gets killed. And so, kind of like what you were saying before, Tony, I mean, he does have that, who was it? The, the, um, the guy from the original movie, uh, Loomis. Loomis. He does have that <laughs> Billy Loomis vibe, right? So, so I mean, you know, he, he he's a pretty decent suspect. He was the new kid in town, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. And and I think when they all get attacked at the bowling alley, 
like he was not there, you know, he showed up at the last minute. So if you're if you're trying to do it by like process of elimination of like who wasn't at the bowling alley when Ghostface was, it's like, well, clearly Kieran was not at the bowling alley. And then he he magically shows up like, Emma, are you okay? And it's like, what are you doing here? I was worried and came right over. You know, and you're like, fuck you, you were worried. You're a ghost face. You know, like that, that that's that's what you're supposed to think, right? And, and so, they keep building, they keep planting seeds too, because after their little uh, Pulp Fiction nostalgia dance at the uh, Halloween dance, they have a little kerfluffle because she finds out about the, the thing from Audrey. And she's like, you know, Kieran, I want it, like, for the last fucking six episodes i want to trust you but i don't know if i can and he's like you know whatever man i'm out of here dealing out and then, like, the next <laughs> she's like, she's like you're so handsome so i want to trust you but you're also so and mysterious the... so i don't know if i can but i'm going to whatever and then, and then the next scene is him loading a gun <laughs> yeah yeah well that that also reminded me of dylan it reminded me of like that little art where dylan had a gun and everyone's like what are you doing dylan so yeah that that totally reminded me of luke perry and 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 i guess just you know hopefully we can kind of wrap up this bit on the stream tv series but in in the final episode there's all this kind of i i feel like they were going to end this in 10 episodes and it was going to be a, you know, for lack of a better term, a done-in-one season. But then they decided, hey, we can milk this. Like, let's do another season. Because, like, what what you're ultimately told is, you know, Mr. Branson is taken to jail because they think he's attacked Brooke in the middle of their, you know, I don't know, kind of, tryst in the middle of the theater because then Ghostface shows up in the middle of that. And so I guess Brooke is all butthurt about that and all this other kind of stuff going on. So she decides, I guess instead of the school dance, she throws her own Halloween party. So supposedly everybody's supposed to meet her at her own Halloween party where again, there's all this Lots of under, <laughs> underage drinking, underage sex, you know, cyberbullying, whatever is hip with the kids these days. It's all going to be at this party. Audrey, Audrey, and Noah, Audrey goes there, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause well, it's like, a, 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 yeah. Audrey doesn't trust Kieran, and then Emma does trust Kieran, even though she drives him away from the Halloween party. And then, so Audrey goes to the party. That's like, that's like such bad writing. It's like, Kieran, I don't know if I trust you. What do you think about Kieran? I totally trust him. It's like, damn it, why do you trust him? I'm going to the party. I'm outie. 5,000. <laughs> Yeah, so so they, they basically they're they're splitting up all the the primary core cast so that you you don't know who to trust or who to think because they're all sort of on their own and everything, you know. And and so then eventually, like, you know, there's a there's a party with all these douchey people there. Oh man, Brooke, you should have seen your face. You're like, ah, God, it's priceless. Grayson, you are such a tool. Where did you get that? Oh, some sick chick on Etsy. She jacked up the price for Halloween, but it was so worth it. Audrey and Brooke are there. Eventually, the Jake shows up with some other girl to make Brooke jealous. And then it's like somehow... Uh, uh, Piper goes there because she wants to check because there's a blackout on all the phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like eventually, like, there's some gap of time. And by the time Brooke comes out, like, nobody's at the party because... I think Ghostface has already chased them all off. Is that what happened? I'm trying to remember uh, no, how uh, all disappeared. What, what exactly happened is uh, Audrey is walking around, and she's like, 
you know, I got you know, I got to use like the pisser, I guess. No, no, no. The uh, the blonde girl, the 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 little Jake's. Oh right, 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 right. The the yeah. one the one that with the bunny ears that was trying to he was trying to make uh, Brooke jealous with. She yeah, she, she tries to go to the bathroom and then the guy's throat is slit and everybody screams and and leaves the party and Brooke in the meantime was like looking in the wine cellar and didn't hear any of that or some shit. So when she comes back up, it's like it's time to party with my wine or whatever because she was gonna I don't know hook up with some guy to make the Jake jealous and then all those people. Have have vacated her house, so she's like. What and then the we get our then we get our first big death of the scene, because Audrey goes to check it out, and she's like, "Oh, blood! I don't know what's going on." Here comes Ghostface, and he's going to stab her, and we fade to black. Yeah, I know that was again another fake out. I think she says like, "What are you waiting for?" And then mm-hmm. and it's like it cuts away, and then I think does at that point I think Mr. Branson shows up at her house, right? And she's like, she's "Yeah, like, yeah." Brooke, let me inside, and all that other bullshit and stuff like that. I don't trust you. Yeah, yeah. Trust you and so there's all this kind of like suspense and, and crap going on and stuff like that. And then I, I, I will say it's, this is probably one of the better scenes as far as building a little bit of tension because I I, I, I give this to the the person who is directing. I don't know if he directed the whole series or if it was different directors, but Brooke is arguing with Mr. Branson. You know, he does she doesn't believe him. And he just kind of walks backwards, and all the lights go out. And you're like, maybe he is a bad guy. I like that. That was that was kind of cool. Yeah, and then isn't it like when the lights come up, then you see the ghost face guy? I think. Uh, or... Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. He, he starts chasing Brooke through the house. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and then she she locks. I don't know. This seemed ridiculous to me, but she's yeah. trying to hide from him, and then she locks herself in the fucking freezer or some shit. And then he realizes she's in the freezer because he's not a fucking moron, or she's not a yeah. moron, I guess, as we'll find out later. Spoilers. Yeah, like, what, but what, 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 what is the biggest human-sized thing in here you could hide in? Oh, the freezer. And and she's, you know, basically Ghostface starts moving the, the freezer around and, and stabbing it, and she gets cut up, and, and she's passing out because she doesn't have any air, and it's cold, and she's freezing, and basically it was probably the I would like a no prize on this because... He cut up the freezer. Why is there no air inside the freezer? Well, he's poking I mean, air holes in it. He's poking <laughs> air holes in it, but she's still cold. So, okay, I'll give you that. I mean, she even if she had air, she's still gonna fucking freeze to death, right? I mean, the, you're not supposed to be in that temperature. So, okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You, know, you win this time, TV show. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of like, you know, it, it, ultimately it was a stupid decision, though. I mean, it, yeah, you know, it doesn't really matter what the, the logic of it is. It was it was a dumb thing to do. And then at that point, I guess Emma and Noah um, are both okay. driving there directly. And, of course, there's that self-referential fun stuff where he's like, I'm the, like you know, funny sidekick, like, I'm so totally gonna get killed, you know, stuff like that, and and then she's trying to be like, no, Noah, we will change the ending, we will change it, like, we're not gonna fall prey to cliche of, of horror films, we're gonna do something different, and then they show up, I think, that at that Kieran point, they run into Kieran, and Kieran's got the gun, and they're not oh, sure oh, if they oh, can I, trust I, him, and then actually, he gives... Before- before that, they uh, they find uh, Piper's car. Oh yeah, and it looks Piper. like her blood's all over it. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like Piper showed up, tried to warn them, and also got killed. Kieran then gives her the gun. Is like, if you don't trust me, just shoot me in the fucking head. And then Emma's like, Oh, I trust you. And oh, by the way, your dad died. And then he's like, Oh man, that sucks. 
but let's go upstairs and, like, shoot shit. Like, and she's like, stop. how very handsome of you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, you're so hot. My handsomeness hides my pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, guess, hey, I, I guess that that makes up for your being told your dad was killed. It's like, but at least whew. I'm still handsome. At least I'm still good looking. I can't believe this. And you still think that this psychopath could be me? Take this and use it if you don't trust me. Or help me find this sick bastard before he hurts anyone else. Okay, so so super 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 spoilers. If you don't want to know who the killer is, you're gonna to have to like stop listening, or you you yeah, yeah, should yeah. have watched it by now, or whatever. But they are on the dock, I guess, or on the pier again, back in the same place where Brendan James got shot. So it's all full circle. It turns out that that Ghostface um, has called I, called her uh, yeah, from the house. We should we should mention. We should mention, at this point, we found out that Brooke and Audrey both survived. They're both alive. Yeah, yeah. Brooke, Brooke is pri- – well, I, uh, Mike had mentioned it before where he's like, you cried, you weep for the Jake or whatever. I think that's – I don't know. Well, one of those things. Anyway, Jake comes back. They suspect him for a little bit. And then uh, Noah and – you know, it's like the whole cast is reunited. They, they're like, where's Brooke? And then they, they find Brooke in the freezer. They bust her out and everything. And it's like it, it's like she's – She's not well, but she's going to be okay. And so they're all together, and it's like, oh, let's you know strengthen numbers and all this stuff. And then she gets the phone call, and it's like, oh, well, she abandons all her friends to protect them, conceivably, and also because she's not sure what she's going to find. And it turns out her mom's tied up in the same chair, and it's this whole you know scream reenactment and what's going to go down. And you know, of course, she runs for her mother. And then Ghostface shows up, and it turns out Ghostface is none other than Piper Shaw. And you're like, dun, dun, dun. It's like Gail Weathers is the, the Ghostface killer. And apparently Piper was the baby that was put up for adoption, because I guess in that episode where Emma was going through all that psychiatric, post-traumatic tr- trauma stuff, Piper came by to visit her and tried to, you know, offer to be her friend and they shared this coincidentally identical story about having father issues and you're just kind of like hmm like that that's kind of where my like spider sense went off and went oh, that's awfully similar to one another like like maybe they, yeah. maybe she's the killer you know or, or maybe be, maybe she has more of a grudge than than we previously thought like that that you knew before and everything and so it turns out she's all butthurt because emma got the cool fun life with the 90210 mom that she never got and her whole goal was to kill all her friends and make her suffer and, and make her pay for for stealing her life i guess or the, the life she thought she richly deserved and, and also like her her like father he, he she blames her father's death on them too as well yeah, yeah she she well she definitely blames the the lady maggie the coroner at the the police station emma's mom for for getting her father killed and everything for, for not having a father, basically. Yeah. I did, I did want to break up, though. This is kind of interesting because even though they make a lot of current references, I know Jan will agree with this, and I'm sure you will too, Derek. What do you think about it? There are so many Friday the 13th movies that end on a pier. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a little, I think that was definitely a, a, a knowing callback to Friday the 13th. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like I, I totally see that. And, and I guess Emma's got this... You know, she's got a knife hidden and everything, and she tries to make a last stand, and 
they have this scuffle, and it looks like Piper is about to get the upper hand and totally kill her. And then, da-da-da-da, like, Audrey comes out, and she's got the gun that Kieran had, because I guess Kieran left it with Noah, and Noah's like, oh, I don't know how to handle a gun. And, you know, Audrey being Audrey, she's like, give me that, stupid. Like, this is how you turn off the safety. Like, I got this. <laughs> and so, so she showed up on the pier. She shoots... Piper, I think in like the shoulder or something, and she falls into the the river, and they think everything's okay, and then they 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 kind of do a reenactment. Uh, and Jan, you may have to back me up on which movie it is, but but I remember it was from one of the movies. Basically, she she pop. It, it's kind of like that that sequence where I think Ghostface pops up again, and then Nev Campbell like just shoots shoots the the bad guy straight in the head again, and the the, the villain, you know falls over and is really, really dead that time. It was like, she, you know, she's all prepared for the the second scare trope of horror movies, so she mm-hmm. shoots and then shoots, I forget which movie that was, but she, yeah, she, she does that, She even says, like, they always come back, yeah. Yeah. It was the second movie. Second movie, okay, cool. So, so they repeat that trope from Scream 2, you know, Piper pops up out of the water, Emma pulls, you know, takes the gun up that is sitting on the the pier and, and again, you know, shoots Piper straight in the head and she's definitely for really, really reals, a hundred percent dead at this point. And then we have a bunch of like synopsisy, like crappy wrap up where everybody's like, yeah, that was great, man. Let's do it again. You know, like, like that's what it felt like where they're all getting yeah, into the afterwards, yeah. and, 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 and it was just like, I hate you fucking people. Like, I mean, really, you should have all died. Cause like, like, it's like they're all patting themselves on the back. And I mean, except for like maybe Noah, you know, but it's just like, yeah. I, I was just like, you know, I'd trade all of you for bringing Riley back. Like if I was going to make any deals with Mephisto, you know, that's, that's what I'd be shooting for. I'd be like, I'll give you all these guys souls and just give me back, give me back Riley, you know? And I just watched the, I, I, like, like, the, the, the continuing is, like, romantic adventures of Noah and Riley. Yeah. Like one of the worst things is like after like their incredibly horrible relationship which had no chemistry, Brooke and Jake are sitting on the car, she's like, I'd rather be here with you. She's like, You wanna go check on like Mr. Brand Branson? They're like, No, I'd rather be here with you. I'm like, really? The guy was in a fucking trunk. <laughs> yeah, it and 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 uh, you know, I know we didn't get into this too much, but it's like he was blackmailing people. He was apparently watching her via laptop, like spying on her change. Yeah. Like like there were lots of like kind of like yucky things he did so you're just kind of like it's kind of like really like i i sort of agree with you tony where it's just like you 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 seem like the slimiest douchebag who was not a murderer of the the whole school so you know i I don't see just because you survived getting murdered doesn't make you uh it doesn't redeem your character in any way in my eyes yeah just like mike said like you know we have our, our touching moment with kieran and emma and it's really not so touching because his dad just died. Her mom just got, like, almost killed. And they're like, oh, well, fuck him. Let's kiss. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got over the, that really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a, a lot of people were were kind of not conscious of what had actually occurred or, or they were unconscious. You know? Like, it just seemed like they they weren't cognizant of, of what had actually befallen their characters because either the way the script is written or they just didn't give it too much thought and their their performances weren't obviously layered or nuanced or anything like that. I, I will give one shout out though, because Audrey and Noah have like a little scene and we're gonna go into like the epilogue epilogue because there's like two fucking epilogues. Fucking A. 
because they have the epilogue at the, the the crime scene where everybody's leaving and stuff. And like no, and Audrey are like you know she, he's like you know oh you're all right you feel okay and she actually says like no I feel fucking terrible you know she doesn't say fucking but she's like I feel terrible like, we should get you to an ambulance because yeah she did get like cut it out cut open as though this is the part where I really like I'm just like whoa this is so setting up season two because Noah takes over fucking Piper's podcast didn't know that was legal didn't know you could just be like okay she's dead so I'm gonna take this over. And well, like, you know, you were, you, were, you were going to take over after I was dead, so I think it's cool. <laughs> it's only because I'm the one who's going to kill you. Oh, shit. <laughs> Spoilers. Damn it. I let the cat out of the bag. But, yeah, but this is so setting up Scream Season 2. Noah is just all like, you know, you can make a change and be better. And you have, like, Jake deleting files. You have, like, you know... Emma and Kieran, you know, like being all like, you know, switchy lovey dovey. You have like Maggie, you know, like he's finally, she's finally gone, he's gone, whatever. And then I'll let Derek talk about this. Then we have something with Audrey. Basically, Audrey is burning all these correspondence letters between herself and Piper Shaw. And there were earlier scenes where someone in a ghost face mask broke into the police precinct and stole police files. And it seems like she also has those files. I tried to freeze frame it because this was screwing with my head of what exactly it said, but it it just seemed like it was, it it was like, it seemed like it was a handwritten list of a way to replicate all the misfortunes that have been befallen Brendan James somehow and like perpetrate that on Maggie and Emma, I guess. I don't know. It was it was like a wish list or a checklist. It's like if you are going to fuck over somebody and you want to replicate it like they fucked over the other person, it's like here's step one, step two, step three, and don't forget step four and step five. Like that's what it seemed like to me when I freeze framed yeah. it. It's it's very ambiguous what that meant i mean some people think some some people are like oh she was the second killer like they they were both in cahoots her and piper and they were both murdering because if if you remember there is a scene where ghostface shows up no 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 i was just gonna say there is a scene i think it's in episode five where ghostface shows up during the whole where will is trying to rectify the blackmailing of the mayor and the mayor leaves, and then Ghostface shows up, clubs Piper on the head, and then drags off Will. So if you were, yeah. you know, if you were just going from the base state of, well, Piper and Will were in the same room with Ghostface, Piper cannot be Ghostface. That Ghostface, yeah. Like, like obviously that shatters that. But then you're like, who was that? You know, and it's like, well, a lot of people you would think, oh, well, maybe it was Audrey. And some people are like, Audrey's a little girl. She couldn't do that. But then again, there's that scene where Audrey is in the the PE class and she's all pissed off and she actually wrestles Will to the floor and and hurts him. So, you know, you could equally argue you might think she looks tiny and couldn't do anything, but she's been shown, at least in the context of the show, to, to be able to handle herself against a larger male opponent. So it's like, it could be possible. It's like, maybe that's why she didn't die and, when she got caught at the commercial break. Like, maybe and, maybe they were in cahoots together. And there's also the fact that, like, you know, even if they weren't in cahoots, if, like, she just... Because she did get stabbed. And they could be in cahoots. Because I think that was in the first one, that, like, people were in cahoots to scare people. 
Well, like, in, the, in the original movie, and, and Yon can back me up on this, where you had Matthew Lillard and everybody, like, stabbing one another. It's like uh-huh. that was part of their whole ploy. So, I mean, conceivably, it could be, you know, it yeah. could be similar, but it's so ambiguous at this point, we don't know. So I, I was and thinking it, yeah. Jake. Yeah. Jake was in on it because like, okay. he got stabbed, but it was totally non-fatal. So I was right, right. He was yeah, yeah. Told, like he, they told him, so it looked like it would remove him from the suspicions list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but there's also the 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 kind of like you know because there's going to be a season two. There's a there's a teaser at the end of this episode. More, more, more. The subplot thickens. Is coming next year. Oh crap, I'm gonna die. Scream returns with a killer new season in 2016. But there's also the fact that, like, the there's a random douche guy, the guy who gets his throat slit. He's like, I bought this boot, this mask off Craigslist or eBay. You can get these masks anywhere. So now these masks are widely available. If you ordered it a couple weeks earlier, he said they were almost sold out for Halloween, so they've been a, a, around for a while. So who knows? I wanted to talk about the after thing, though. One thing I want to say they show Noah tied up and about to get cleaved in half by a big backhoe chainsaw thing. Noah cannot fucking die. If he dies, I quit this show immediately. <laughs> yeah, there's there's not too many likable people left, so yeah, I, I, I'd have to concur. Either that or they'd have to bring on somebody else who was likable or extremely, extremely in Derek's eyes attractive that he couldn't stop watching the show, but there's nobody like that currently, so... Yeah, I, I totally hey, look, agree. it's Riley's twin sister, Cryley. <laughs> if if Cryley, Riley's twin sister showed up, maybe I'd stick around. I don't know. So. I feel I feel like the mystery was kind of one of those cruddy like Jeff Loeb mysteries. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I, I yeah, I hate that. I was I was kind of pissed off too. Well, so. it's like it well it can't be like the Red Hulk can't be General Ross because General Ross just fought the Red Hulk and then it's like. But he is General Ross, because that other General Ross wasn't the real General Ross. Ha ha, fooled you. And I was like, but yeah, but there's no possible way you like you could like reason that out from that scene, basically. Yeah, or yeah, I was like I was banking like, I was banking on like either Kieran, Jake, or even possibly Brooke. Those are like my three suspects. I didn't even think about Piper. I, I think I think at the beginning I was leaning towards like Noah or Kieran just because I liked the characters decent enough, and I figured one of them might turn out to be the bad guy, kind of like in the original Scream movie where you're like, ah, you know, you're like Billy Loomis isn't such a bad, holy crap guy, you know, like that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Where you know, so I, I thought maybe it was going to be along those lines. I don't think I, you know, and I don't know if this is just me being, you know sexist or whatever but i don't i don't think i suspected any of the girls i mean i i really don't think i did so so the fact that it's it could be it's at least one of them it was it was definitely piper at certain points and it was definitely some it had to be somebody else because there was somebody else in the mask helping her during that will sequence or posing as ghost face so I think Piper and I was figuring Piper and Karen were working together because okay. they, they they were both new in town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was the connection. I kind of I kind of feel like that should have been the ending of the ten episodes, and then that would have ended the series. But since they wanted to extend it, like, because couldn't you conceivably have seen like I I have no evidence. This is all speculation. But instead of Audrey showing up with the gun that Karen brought, couldn't you have seen Karen? Showing up with the gun that Kieran brought and shooting Piper and then yeah, hugging like, him and 
being like, yeah, you're safe now, baby. And then they like do a close up on his face and he's like, dun, 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 I'm evil too, or some shit. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, because like, if you remember that scene where they all get to, where the Scooby gang gets back together, Audrey, Noah, Brooke, and Jake are all sitting together and Kieran at one point is like, I gotta go do stuff. Yeah. I have to go and do like, handsome yeah. stuff. <laughs> I'm going to go be half of all the I totally understand. Now. That's important. I totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> I trust you. <laughs> you make me forget that my other boyfriend was cleaved in half. Thank you. Yeah. Did you, did you know your dad said? <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes my own handsomeness makes me forget things. <laughs> <laughs> my God, I'm attractive. <laughs> He's like, he keeps catching his like <laughs> reflection in the water or something. He's like, my God, like, look at that that perfect hair, like that chiseled jawline. <laughs> Did your dad just die? Oh yeah, <laughs> but I'm still handsome. Have you seen my gun? Even my gun's handsome. It's all shiny. Do Do you think that like does does that to to me that that added twist with Audrey felt really tacked on. Like, did it feel yeah, tacked on yeah. to you guys as well? Yeah. I, I, thought she had, I thought she had a really good arc. And, like, I think her being kind of suspected at one point, and it was just like, eh, no. And her being an outcast and, like, proving that she was, like, you know, a decent person and she just was just trying to do, do her, you know, just try to be a good person. I think, you know, adding that, like, you know, mysterious plot twist. I, I Personally, if season two comes to fruition how I want it to come to fruition, I think actually it'd be nice if they did what you said, Derek. And this whole season, Kieran's been playing, like, the, the, the slow game. And the next season, he is actually the bad guy. I think that would be okay. Huh, okay. I, I mean, yeah, I could see it going that way. I, I'm kind of curious what – because I'm so shocked, like, and not because – I, I don't think it's believable, but I'm kind of shocked because there is that element of political correctness with Audrey's character. So I'm kind of surprised they'd make her, yeah. uh, they'd show her in a bad light at all. And then what that kind of reminds me of, and I think I've brought this up on the podcast once or twice to probably nobody's knowledge, but there there was a movie that a friend of mine showed me called, uh, well, I guess technically it's translated to High Tension, but I think it's, I believe it's like a, a French Splatterhouse film or whatever. I think it's called Hata Tension or I, I forget what the, the right name is, but, but it's called High Tension. And, you know, again, to totally spoil that movie for anybody who hasn't seen it, which is probably all of zero people, there's this crazy, almost Jeepers Creepers, creepy ass murderer running around killing people and everything. And, and it's gory as all hell. But what you find out is the twist is the lead character is a girl who loves this other girl who doesn't really return that affection. And it turns out that this girl, the lead character, is just a psychotic and she's had a psychotic break. So she thinks it's this crazy, creepy Jeepers Creepers lunatic that's running around with like chainsaws and doing all this splatterhouse shit. But in reality, she's just a jilted lover who was refused and she just went ape shit on all these people including the the woman she supposedly had a thing for and so like i immediately thought of that but i was like they they couldn't go that route like they couldn't make it that dark like 
I, I don't think they could, you know, but that's... Well, I, I'll i say this, and this is something all of our, uh, I guess, more sensitive listeners can send your emails to fanholespodcast.dmail.com. When they did the fake-outs, when they were going to kill Audrey, I was like, they're not going to kill the bisexual girl. She's like the PC, like, good person who we can't kill. And then when they, they tease killing Brooke, I'm like, they're probably going to kill the bitch. You know, I was like, I can see Brooke dying. I can't see PC bisexual girl dying, you know? There, there are so many, like, questions, and, like, everything, like, Audrey did in that series is now thrown into question. Because, like, yeah. if she really cared about Rachel, then why was she helping, like, the killer, like, basically? Yeah. Like, if that was so important to her, like... I you know, know. And, and, yeah, the same, the same questions could be had for, like, Noah. If she's really Noah's best friend... Why did she kill his only chance of getting laid by a really cute hot <laughs> Asian girl yeah. on the football field? You know, like that that kind of stuff. Where you're like, dude, you start thinking about it, it's like you start your head's gonna explode well, like, unless like, it like has a, a halfway decent explanation and not like a long Halloween low well, fucking explanation. Like like you were describing high tension. It's like what what in season two are they gonna like reveal that like Audrey's always had the hots for Emma or something and like, that's why she did like everything. yeah 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 maybe. Yeah, or and, and then and then on top of that, it's like, what did she just um, like? Is she imagining? Like, does she have a psychotic break where she thinks she's not a bad person, but then she goes off and does a two face and like is a murderer at some points? Like, like I yeah, big I don't know. bad Audrey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big big bad Audrey. <laughs> Yeah, I um, yeah I, I have no idea. I mean, I that that kind of wraps up like my thoughts on it for the most part. I mean, I I will say again, my my main disappointment with it is that there's a limited number of deaths, especially in the last episode. I mean, I figured if they were holding off, it was because you know they're like, oh, all these kids have contracts and they had so many episodes and everything. But I figured in episode ten they could start really cutting loose and killing all these characters off, and and it seemed like. None of them got killed. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we're going to roll them all over into season two. I'm very very disappointed that Jake didn't get the stabbed again. (laughs) (laughs) Jake has been stabbed with the knife in the chest. Uh, That is the blood of the Jake. (laughs) I I was going to mention this. I just thought about this. The person who calls Emma at the dance is very much a man. You could do all kinds of, like, you know, Wifty Keen, like, digital stuff, but it's hard to have a real-time conversation is sound like a man who sounds like the guy from Scream. I don't know if you know that, Derek. He sounds like, you know, do you like scary movies? I I thought in one of those videos or something, I thought there was a scene where Audrey replicated that voice somehow. Who's to say a woman couldn't torture and kill just as well as a man? Well, it was a man's voice that called me. A voice like this. 199 voice changer app. We used it for Rachel's zombie movie. Yeah, there. Oh, okay. Well, if it, I mean, if it's possible. Emma, okay. Yeah. That, yeah, there's like a voice changing app. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there, there was okay. that a bit of evidence, so that would be kind of negate that. But I mean, okay. okay, fair enough. I will, I will summarize this the best I can. This is not a bad show, but I like I, I mentioned this before we started the podcast and the uh, text message. I was like, I don't know if this is a really good show or a very competent average show. And that's not a slam. That's not an insult. You can be average, but if you're good at being average, you can engross people. Because there are some characters. I like Noah. I thought Riley was fun. 
there was actually a point where Brooke and Audrey were having a conversation where I was like, hey, Brooke's not a two-dimensional bitch. Okay, that's cool. And I do like Kieran. He 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 does he, he did a good job of kind of playing against type of being the mysterious bad guy who's not a bad guy. He actually, you know, proved that he was like has no emotion. He doesn't care if his dad dies, but you know, he's he's you know, pretty good besides that. So as far as I go, I would watch Scream season one and enjoy it for what it is, but I gotta say, I don't know if I'm really as I'm not really feeling Scream season two, especially if Noah dies. I'm serious. If Noah dies, I'm fucking no, I'm done. <laughs> I, I I would just say that like I thought it was pretty cheesy and like I wasn't sure if that cheesiness was like intentional or not so that's probably a bad thing like but I like I I guess like the characters like I think I was like engrossed by yeah some of the characters like definitely Noah like I even like Audrey like so but like that last scene kind of threw that all into question kind of so. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I guess I'd be interested to see where they go, but I'm not, it's not on my list of priorities, basically. Yeah, 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 it's, it's, yeah, definitely. What about you, Yon? You, you've watched all the movies. You're, you're a movie file of Scream. How does this series sound? Are you going to watch it, or are you going to just be like, meh? Uh, it sounds interesting, and I should check out season one now. As for Noah, well, we all know what happened to the last guy named Noah that we thought was going to last a little longer. <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> that's at least one mark for the series. He got like a new viewer, so. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I mean, I, I think it's worth watching, especially if you're a fan. I mean, you might as well check it out. I don't think it's going to, like, hurt your feelings or anything. I mean, it's just, you know, this is this is a podcast. We're being hypercritical, as we do, and, and I, I figured this was something fun to talk about. I mean, I was interested in seeing it, and I was interested in discussing it, whether it be on a a message board or, or on air on the podcast. So I, I mean, I think that pretty much wraps up our thoughts on the screen TV series. And then I think what I'm going to do is we're going to play another trailer for some fun Halloween type shows. And then when we come back, Tony, myself and Jan, we're going to be discussing the chaos comic series of the wrestler, the undertaker. So come back Rest and check that out. In peace. <laughs> Are you a geek looking for love? Do you long to find discussion on that special comic, TV episode, movie, or toy that's just right for you? Then why not try Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast? Chris and Cindy Franklin can match you with that certain something to satisfy your genre-related longings. No matter the subject, superheroes. But Robin's like, that was really nice of you, Batman. It's like, I had the room loaded with kryptonite. I can turn it on at any moment. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's, you're talking about, now think about this. It's an apartment building owned by Batman. Do you not think that Batman doesn't have their place but? Sci-fi. I don't know. You talk about being a sex symbol and stuff like that. I mean, I know a lot of girls thought, you know, William Shatner was it, but I had a, the biggest crush on George Takai. I, 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 I did. I thought, you know. Sorry about that. Horror. And then when we see the Wolfman for the first time, he's in, I don't know, we don't know. A look, long sleeve shirt, shirt and a dark pair of pants. Pants with a belt. With a, with belt. a belt. That's what I <laughs> And his shirt's buttoned up all the way, too. Yeah, yeah. And his so, arms. So after he changes into this ferocious beast who can't talk, 
and doesn't seem to be able to think beyond just attacking things. He, he has lots of dexterity. He went through his closet and... I like this outfit better. Action figures. I actually had all the figures and all the accessories up to a certain point. I really literally did collect them all, you know. Including Shira. I was going to get to that, but... Meh. Chris and Cindy have found their own happiness through discussions like this. I could be friends with him. I could be down with this version of the ultra-humanoid. You could be friends with the dude who put his brain inside a mutated albino ape. I married you! <laughs> oh! If you're tired of searching for geek love, then sign up with Supermates for free at supermatescomic.blogspot.com or on iTunes. Hey guys, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that exciting Halloween spooktacular commercial of one of my favorite podcasts. And now we're going to be doing the comic book portion of the Fanholes Fright Fest episode. And as promised, I am back with two of my fellow Fanholes, Mr. Tony Jackson and Mr. Jan Christofferson. And we're going to be discussing the Chaos Comics comic series... The Undertaker from the year 1999. The Undertaker is a World Wrestling Federation character. Is that is that a good way to put it? I don't. I mean, he, yes. he's, he's real, they, they, but he's a, he's a character too, right? They, like, they prefer to be called superstars right now. He, he is a superstar. He is a wrestling superstar. The comic series, just to to give us some comic background, which is where my strong suit is, and I'm going to be depending on. Tony and Jan for the, the wrestling strong suit portion of this. But for the, the comic portion, this was a 10, this was a series that lasted for 10 issues. There was a zero issue, and there was also a wizard one half issue, which I don't think any of us read. But basically, this was in 1999. The writer of this series was Bo Smith. Bo Smith is probably most famous for working on Guy Gardner Warrior. And that's probably when the character. <laughs> well, you, you might go, but I, I was just gonna say, like, that's probably when the character had the most character development. I mean, this was the yeah. whole like Voldarian armor, and like he wasn't basically like you know when Wolverine was a dick, and then he became like sort of like a halfway decent guy who could possibly lead the X Men. I mean, I think Guy Gardner had that same arc with Bo Smith where. He, he obviously started out as kind of a dick character, but if you stuck with that series, obviously you would come to appreciate that character. So, so that that's the most immediate thing I can think of. That I just, I just hated the look. That's I, I didn't read the series. I just didn't like the red armor. So I, I would give you up on that. Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, this was the writer, not the artist. So, so I mean, that's. You, you can take it or leave it, but that that's the thing I can think of most immediately. He did do other DC comics that I'm slightly familiar with that I didn't think were, like, the greatest miniseries, but he did do a Batman Wildcat miniseries and a Wildcat Catwoman miniseries for DC Comics. And then I think there's going to be a TV adaptation of this comic book series soon on the Sci-Fi Channel, but he also wrote the Winona Earp series, which I, I only know vaguely about because I know it's going to be a TV series. So, so there's there's that aspect in terms of the writing. The penciler is named Manny Clark, 
And I had a good laugh because I was like, wait, where do I know that name from? And it turns out this is the guy who did the art on that horrible-ass Vision miniseries that we covered when we were doing our Avengers month that had all that <laughs> swiped Jay Lee art. So if this art looks like a bunch of swiped Greg Capullo art, I guess we know where he got it from because, you know, that's... Yeah, I, I, that's, actually, this actually reminded me of Greg Capullo and uh, Stephen Platt. There's okay, a splat yeah, yeah. In this. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know their work, but I'm not as, as familiar with it as Jim Lee's that I can totally place to you like if he actually uh, directly swiped from certain yeah. panels, but I have no idea. Maybe he was better in 1999, but of course that Vision miniseries I think was in the 90s as well. So it can't be that many years after he did that. It was probably like I think the Vision one was maybe 96 or 95. So anyway, I just wanted to give some of that background on it. And then I did actually, believe it or not, I sort of wrote my own synopsis for this comic oh my book God. series. So this is crazy. I'm not, I'm not stealing this from anywhere. I sort of wrote it out. So, and, and then Tony can read it again in his, his Paul Bearer or Undertaker voice or something like that. But okay, here we go. Wrestling. Oh, yes. <laughs> here we, here we go. Wrestling is not wrestling as you know it. Although humanity perceives an entertaining sporting event, in reality, the match is a secret war between two escaped dark souls from Hell's prison, Stygian. The only one that stands in the way of these demonic forces is The Undertaker, showing no mercy and no exceptions. Standing against our hero are his nemeses, the embalmer, pallbearer, and his own brother, Cain. They all seek to control the complete set of the Books of the Dead. The victor who collects all three books will become the undisputed ruler of Stygian. So that's that's the, the really high-level, short, sweet, synopsis of, of what we read tonight. That right there, Derek, sounds like the synopsis of the crazy brave and the foolish stupid. <laughs> no, uh, this this series is crazy. It is, it is. It, it, it's weird because you, you, because I think when I, when I looked at it, like, I, I, I do not read a lot of wrestling comics, and, and like, I, I think I've mentioned this before on the, you know, one of our very old shows where we talked about wrestling. I mean, I had that vague familiarity with the Ultimate Warrior comic book and how crazy and wacky that is. And, and this really is no different. I think we picked it for Fanhole's Fright Fest. I mean, my, my thinking is it is dealing with demons and hell and magic and all this kind of supernatural stuff. So I, I think it fits. I mean, he is the Undertaker, you know, but it, it's it takes it very literally. Like I, I I think if you if you had any inclination of rock and wrestling type comic book, you know, oh or, yeah, not, or even not like that lighthearted or, at all, yeah, yeah, or or even just something that actually focused on the storylines from the World Wrestling Federation, but done in comic form. Like this is not that. I mean, this is like basically applying uh, a level of fantasy to like a sports hero you know it, it, well, it's like it's like if 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 Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was like a 
space fighter who had like laser beams and beat up aliens or something. You know, I mean, it, well, it's just yeah. Shaq Fu. Shaq Fu. The whole idea of the Undertaker. Let me let me take you back, man. Hold listeners. I'm gonna drop some knowledge on you. Just you know, bear with me. The Undertaker originally uh, appeared in the WWE in the late '80s. Take a look at the Undertaker. Does he look like he has any friends? Does he look like he needs any friends to win? Thirty men make a win. Twenty-nine I'll bury. And as I look down upon their now rotting faces, their bluing flesh for me to hold. I'll embalm them. I'll sew their eyelids shut. I'll open their insides. And I'll steal the gold from their teeth. There will be no resting in peace. There is no peace in the Undertaker's mortuary. He was with his manager, Paul Bearer. And the idea was he was a silent badass. He was like, people were thinking he was a zombie or nothing. This, this is back in the days when, like, superheroes ruled wrestling. Hulk Hogan was a superhero, and he was, like, bigger than life. And they were doing the same thing with Undertaker. He was supposed to be the big bad. And he would do things like get beat the shit up and do a zombie sit-up, like nothing hurt. Paul Bearer would be ringside with the urn and be like, you know, oh, yes, the Undertaker will rise again. And, you know... That was like his gimmick, you know. He was like, he was, he was impossible to hurt. Then we move forward into the '90s. This is called the New Generation Era of WWF at the time. It featured the Undertaker's uh, character called the Phenom, and basically he was talking a little bit more. He got his ass kicked a little bit more often. He was, and one of his like kind of gimmicks during this era was, if he got beat up really bad, he would return from the dead. He would like never truly be vanquished. He would take a couple months off and come off better than before he gets strong he would basically be a super saiyan he'd go train into like the urgy like you know house for uh, a year in real time and then like in our time be like you know 10 minutes and now where we are here with this series this is during his ministry of darkness phase where like it's really funny because this comic tries to paint him as a hero but during this time he was a heel he was aligning with instant man and stuff he was doing some really bad stuff. He was symbolifying Steve Austin, basically crucifying him on an Undertaker symbol. <laughs> yeah. The the only thing I'd just say, like I I understand what you're saying. Like I mean, they definitely paint him as the lead protagonist in his own comic, which is only natural. But I don't know that I'd go so far as to call him a hero because it's like he he wants to collect the books of the dead, just like all these other guys. And and rule Stygian, which is like hell's prison. Like it, it yeah. doesn't seem like a particularly noble aspiration. Like it doesn't seem like something. Uh, it's not like you're like, dude. It's like Captain America, Red Skull, and the Green Goblin are having a war, <laughs> and Captain America wants to rule Nazi Germany and kill Jews and exterminate them all. And you're just kind of like, no, that's. That's not oh, very yeah. heroic. Like, I mean, he, he's, it, he's, it, the best, it, it, he's the best option of the three. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, I don't even know. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, like. To me, like, it was very confusing because he, 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 you might think he's a like a, 
a protagonist and, and per, perhaps a heroic figure, but he's still he's working with werewolves, he's working with demons. Like he he doesn't seem to care too much about. I mean, if if they well, are indeed just demons dressed up as humans and they're not you know ho- you know inhabiting any humans' bodies, I guess it's okay. But I mean, he massacres the hell out of anybody he fights. I mean, if if, if oh, yeah, it's yeah. legitimately a real wrestling match and somebody's face got as bloody as they did in some of these issues, you you kind of be like, dude, are they gonna are they gonna suspend him? Are they gonna like you know <laughs> ban him from wrestling? Because it's like he just gonna fight you for crushing this like, guy's face. <laughs> so he smashed that guy's nose into jelly. You know, like I mean, it's like, come on, man, that's crazy. Like, well, well and, that's what I'm saying. That's like the disconnect because at this time he was a heel, and I think they're trying to make him a good guy in the comic, but they're still trying to tie in with the wrestling, so they're like, he's still got to be a badass, you know. So it's like anti-hero at best, maybe. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. Can, can I just ask because you you have way more knowledge than me? Like one one thing this did lead me to do, and that doesn't mean I will do it. But one thing this did lead me to do is I, I started noticing you know the familiar wrestlers that would appear in this storyline as it progressed. And of course, I did mention him in the synopsis, so it's not really spoiling anything. But the Undertaker's brother Kane is is a big part of this this comic book series. And so one of the things I did was I was kind of like, oh, you know, are there any, like, elite figures of these guys? And I was, like, looking around, and I said, oh, this Kane figure, like, it looks just like he does in the comics, pretty much. You know, it's that outfit with the kind of black and red, and he looks pretty cool. And I go, oh, that's kind of a cool look and everything. And then I tried to look up the elite Undertaker, and what I noticed is, I mean, he looks kind of similar to how I remember him on TV, but it looks like in the photo covers for this series... And, and I guess this period that you're describing him as having, he had a mustache, and he does have the mustache in these comics. But when I looked at the figure, it looked like he, he sort of had a beard, but not a mustache, or... I don't know. Like, he, he looks like he had, he, a, he, has, he had a number of different looks over the years. He, he's gone through a lot of different looks. At one point, he was called the American Badass, where he looked like a biker. And then after that, he was Big Evil slash Booger Red. Seriously, his name like was given by Jim Ross, a commentator, Booger Red. You remember that, Jan? Um, no, I don't. Yeah. Oh wow, <laughs> Booger 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 Red. No, 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 never heard yeah. that one. Yeah, look it up. It's horrible. And he cut his hair. He had like a short, like tight, high and tight, like hairdo. He didn't have the long Undertaker hair. And yeah, mm-hmm. he shaved the mustache a couple times. He's had just a goatee, or he's had like you know. Just like a goatee and no beard. One point during the Ministry of Darkness, he had like a long ass like devil's beard and stuff. So yeah, the Undertaker's gone through a lot of changes. Like because originally he when he showed up in the WWE WWF, he was wearing like a like a button up coat that had the sleeves ripped off and a tie and a fedora, a gray fedora and like slacks. You remember that, Yon, right? Yeah, and he had his natural hair at the time, which was like curly red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he looked good. And, <laughs> he looked good. He looked good. And then as the years went on, they just tried to make him look more evil, dark, and sinister, whereas when he debuted, it was more like, okay, he's supposed to be this dark cemetery undertaker figure, but he's wearing gray and purple and black, and he's got eyeshadow. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was like 80s, early 90s, so it was kind of like dark. But cartoony dark. He was supposed to be yeah. like 
Yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, like like Skeletor or something like that, yeah. yeah. So I, I also need to use you guys as a litmus for who is real and who is not real, to quote-unquote, to, to use the term loosely in terms of, of the World Wrestling Federation. And, and some things are more obvious to me than others. Like, obviously, The Undertaker is a real you know, wrestling superstar, as we've mm-hmm. described him. And again, I, I do understand that Kane was a wrestling superstar. And of course, one of the, the nemeses that we described, Paul Bearer, like I am familiar with the character. I am familiar with him doing most of the talking for The Undertaker in his early oh, wrestling yes. superstar days and everything. So like those characters, I kind of went, oh yeah, I, I kind of remember him. I have a vague idea of who that is. Like these people are real. One of the main bad guys, the big bad, I'd say, in this piece is a character called the Embalmer. And I guess in reality, he is head of a corporation called the Millennium Corporation. In his human guise, he's known as Augustus Slayer. Is that is that a wrestling character, or is no, this something made up for the comic? Not at all. This, not at this all. is an original character to the comic. Okay, okay. So that's something I wasn't sure about. I'm glad you guys are here to confirm it for me. So that that character too, I I, I did have a slight sense of of like confusion with him. It's because he came out of Mortal Kombat and jumped into the Undertaker's universe. Well, yeah. Well, see, the thing that confused me is there, there's an arc in Iron Man that is a sequel to the Armor Wars. It's basically called Armor Wars Two, and there's a, a character in there. Basically, the way John Romita Jr. drew him, he was a corporate businessman, and he looked a lot like the Mandarin, who was also introduced or reintroduced in that storyline. And I kind of would get the two of them confused, because they were both guys that had these big, long beards and long heads of black hair and everything. And I, I think the Embalmer and... The Undertaker, there were points where I actually got them confused from time to time, especially yeah. in issue, especially in issue four, where he's dealing with the, the werewolf, I think. And I, I'm trying to remember, I think his name was like Loomis or Loomer or something like that. There's, there's a werewolf and, oh, Lutan is the name of this werewolf. And, and he comes in and he's in a human guise and he comes into this bar and he meets the Undertaker and is filling him in on all this stuff. But kind of as Tony was describing, like, you, you kind of got the vibe that maybe the Undertaker was this heroic protagonist. And that was the first indication where I was like, well, maybe he's not as heroic as I think if he's working with this werewolf who's, who's slaying people in the middle of a dive bar and he just doesn't care. And I at first I thought, well, maybe that's that's the embalmer disguised as the Undertaker. And I went, no, that's way too complicated for a a comic like this, you know, and I realized it was just the undertaker. So there, there, there's those kind of weird aspects to the series on top of just the idea that you've got a fictional universe uh, and you're building this, this sort of fictional world on top of the, the entertainment fiction that is making up wrestling superstars. You know, it's like, it's like kind of a, a double decker sandwich with like bread and, bacon and more bread and meat and you know that kind of thing well, like I, I think that's the, you know i think that's based on brian polito's he's the guy who founded chaos comics 
Yeah. That is Brian Polito's like mindset because there's he, his main bread and butter for the series. Well, not for a series for his comic imprint was Evil Ernie and Lady Death, and they're they're both antiheroes. And like Evil Ernie does a lot of series where he kills people straight out, and yeah, then he, there's a yeah, couple he, issues where he's like kind of sympathetic, but mostly he's a horrible person. Yeah, I mean he he's definitely a horror type character. I mean he he kills people and. That that's why Lady Death is at his side because you know she she knows where her her bread is buttered pretty much and, yeah. and but but there are that, a couple of, yeah 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 there's a couple of issues where he does good things every once in a while but it's happenstance it's because he's doing the good thing because it benefits him yeah yeah you wouldn't I mean Chaos Comics in general is known for its gore and and kind of uh, ostentatiousness with with the kind of blood and guts. And, <laughs> And, and horrific type stuff, and and this is which is, I, I this, this slippers as well. Yeah, it's very gory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, people are ripping out people's hearts, like like we said in the wrestling matches. Even though the Undertaker can see them as demons, when when you see the wrestlers get smacked around, you know they're they're getting bloodied all to hell. And and sometimes it's literally like it, there's a funny sequence where they're they're in hell, and hell is a wrestling ring. And instead of the ropes, it's like strings of fire. And instead of the poles, it's like, like there are all faces, these yeah. demon faces on it. And and I guess the idea is if somebody loses the wrestling match, the poles with the demon faces are going to eat the loser, you know, in and hell. And they're, they're taunting them during, during the whole match. Like, we're going to eat yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so so it's, it's, it's quite crazy and everything. And uh, now, uh, this is something I think maybe you and Jan can speak to that, that I'm not familiar with. Now, am I? My assumption is this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this seemed to be like a weird sort of prequel to his wrestling career. And I guess we'll get into more of what happens at the end of the series. But as we read this comic, Paul Bearer seems to be another party that is an opponent of the Undertaker, you know, vying for collecting all these books of the dead. Uh, you know, along with the embalmer. And it's like he's almost a rival for the embalmer. And as the series progresses, Paul Bearer forges, like, some kind of alliance with the Undertaker. But as the series starts, it's almost like they are also enemies. And I was just wondering, like, is that accurate? That Like, my interpretation was they started as enemies in this. By the end of it, they were kind of friends. And, and that, I figured, leads into his wrestling career where Paul Bearer, then speaks for the Undertaker. Like, is that an accurate assessment, or did Paul Bearer ever have a turn against the Undertaker, where it's like, I was your buddy, but now I'm like not your buddy anymore? Yeah. Well, um, um, like originally he was his friend. Like they were like associates. He was his manager slash valet, and Paul Bearer would come out. So that's kind of off. But there have been definitely points in the Undertaker's career where Paul Bearer did turn against them. So. Yeah, like, the storyline is Paul Bearer is Kane's father, but they have the same mother? Kane and Undertaker have the same mother? I think that's... Um, yeah, yeah, even according to the comics, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, at, at one point, I know you haven't read them all, Jan, but Undertaker talks about how he and Kane grew up together, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, when, when Undertaker debuted, his manager was actually Brother Love, and then... True, yeah, yeah. And then it became Paul Bearer, and eventually there was a storyline where 
Paul turned on Undertaker to side with Mankind, who is also in this comic, by the way. And when I think about putting two tons of Earth over the Undertaker in the big show, I get kind of a warm, fuzzy feeling myself, and I like it. I like it. I really like it. Ah, 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 buried alive, buried alive. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't expect to see Mankind, and, and, and I, I did have a slight hesitance or confusion at first where i was like is that and i'm like yeah that is mankind because like the, the only reason why i know who mankind is is because as we've discussed on a previous show i was a fan of cactus jack and i understand that that is another incarnation of cactus jack this is my first exposure to mankind like i don't think i've ever seen mankind in a wrestling match so to me, my you know, this is my first. Wow, Jan, we gotta hey. we gotta get him schooled on some good mankind matches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like he does he always talk to a sock puppet like in the wrestling? Um, matches? Um, no. no, actually, yeah, actually, originally when mankind debuted, he was a schizophrenic like mess. He dressed in all brown. Brown. He had the mask. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he would he talk to himself, shake his hair out, yep. yeah, rip his own hair out, and he was just like a mess. And then, like, in 1999, when this comic came out, at that point, Mick Foley had actually turned into a face mankind. And that's why I knew this, because he was wearing the white shirt with the tie and everything. I think that's what the comic was trying to tie into, because he was a face at this point. And at this point, he was kind of goofy. He would talk to himself, and if you, if you, as you read in the comics, he talks to himself, but he's kind of goofy, but he's also still super tough. And Mick Foley is super tough. Like, I don't know about now. He's he's aged. It's been, you know, 20 years since, like, the Attitude Era. Well, 15-plus years. And, you know, but back then, he was a tough son of a bitch. Mick Foley would take a lot of, like, fucking hard-ass bumps. There was a match. I, I'm just going to reference this for the uh, fan hall's audience and for you, Derek. There's a structure called the Hell in a Cell. This is what made Mick Foley a legend. The Hell in a Cell is, like, 15, 20 feet high. And... Undertaker had a match with him, threw him off the top of the cell. He crashed into the announce table, and people were worried that he was dead. And they carted him off on a stretcher, and he fought his way off the stretcher. And this was like, this is still kayfabe, but still kind of not kayfabe, because they were like, I think he's dead. Tony, yeah. well, I don't even know what kayfabe means. You can have to <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Explain to me. Uh, I'm sorry. Kayfabe is wrestling lingo for, like, Undertaker is dead. If you believe oh, okay. Undertaker is a Story dead line. guy, okay, yeah, yeah. You believe Undertaker is dead. You believe like mankind is actually suicidal and like you know fucked up in the head. He's not like Mick Foley. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, but yeah, Mick Foley goes back to the ring, climbs up the structure, gets choke slammed through it onto tacks, gets thrown into the side of the ring, the turnbuckle, and you see his tooth poking out between a cut and his lip. And he's smiling, and it's just because he's been so beaten up, he doesn't know anything better. And that's Mankind. Mick Foley is, he's gotten a lot of shit in his later years for, like, people being dumbasses on wrestling boards and, like, deriding him, trying to make a living. But Mick Foley is the ultimate underdog. Mankind is, like, so fun to watch in a wrestling ring. I mean, especially during that time. Did he deteriorate over the years? Yes, he did. But he was a really, like, he was he was a guy who gave it his all. I mean, you have to agree on. Yeah. Yeah, great guy. But Mankind's comic, going back to the comic, this is what Mankind was. He was kind of goofy. He fights demons, and he's like, 
oh shit, he does a Scooby Doo run to get out of there and stuff. So that yeah, that that was fun. I don't I, know. I, I liked this because it, it seemed like they tied it into the the world building of the story because the story is that these dark souls, these demons are in disguise, you know, in the wrestling ring. And then the undertaker basically is, is, you know, rooting them out, you know, rooting out the, the evil as part of, you know, his plan to get all the, the books of the dead and everything. But it seems like even though most people perceive mankind as this crazy guy who talks to his Socko puppet, it's like there's some kind of method to his madness because no, only... no, he did he did do that. He did talk to a soccer puppet. He did do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and only only he can see. Like it seems like he's crazy enough. Like he's he's just insane enough that he can perceive the difference between the the demons and the real wrestlers. So yeah. so when when these wrestlers come to accost him, they're kind of like oh. You know, you can perceive us, and and that's a threat to the embalmer and everything. So they send these assassins after mankind, and he's actually got to fight off against them, which I thought I thought it was kind of fun. Like I I enjoyed that just because I, I there's I had more knowledge of this at least the the Cactus Jack portion of it. You know, so I was like, oh, I kind of know this guy, and it was kind of interesting to find out another facet of his his wrestling superstar career that I, I I'm not obviously very familiar with. I, I will say this. The Undertaker is the Undertaker in this comic. I hate to say this. He's he's kind of one-dimensional for a lot of the time he's been wrestling. The American Badass was him being a biker, and it was kind of okay. And when he was, like, big evil, he was, like, a mean biker, basically. He was a heel biker. Like, Mankind was really a breath of fresh air in this comic, because I was like, he's silly, he's kind of... He's fun. I, I liked him. One thing that Jan hasn't read yet, and at one point they bring in the Ministry of Darkness, Jan, uh-huh. to save mankind in a, in, a, in a part where we get to a big fight. And it's really funny because we have Viscera, who's, uh-huh. who's kind of a badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I give him that. And they have the Acolytes, Bradshaw and Farouk, who are kind of badasses. Uh, I'll give them that as well. And then you have Midian, and they actually drew Midian like a badass. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and Midian was like the eye uh, of the Ministry of Darkness. It was like he was never that cool, never ever that cool. <laughs> I think I think also one of the people they listed was Big Boss Man during that big fight. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like like for me, obviously, like I'm not familiar with any of those guys. So by that point, when they're having a big splash page fight sequence, and then those guys show up out of nowhere, I was just kind of like, I get it. Like I could read, you know, like I I see you're <laughs> yeah. like. These are the baddest guys the WWF has to offer, and they're here to help mankind. I'm like, okay, like I could follow this. I'm not an idiot, but it was just like one of those things where I was like, who are these guys? Like, where the fuck did they come from? Like, what what's going on? Like, it just seemed like like it, it's funny because it's it, it, by that point it it was like issue six, and it had been five issues, and they they didn't warm up these guys' introduction. It was just like yeah, bam, yeah. like here they are. Yeah, there, there's there's like there's like a little panel like in the issue before like we're gonna go help mankind. That was it, and they were like all in silhouettes. Yeah, yeah. Actually, these guys are mostly scrubs. Viscera, he had to run as Big Daddy B. He uh, was also Viscera the Love Machine, Visagra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. This is just true. Fruit actually, the APA, the Acolytes, actually turned into the Acolytes Protection Agency. And him and uh, Bradshaw actually had a really good run. I can't give him any credit on that, uh, any uh, hate on that. 
And then Bradshaw turned it to JBL, who was actually one of the most hated heels in WWE at the time. Because he was a fucking racist, cowboy, rich guy. <laughs> yep. So, uh, I give him credit on that. Midian never did anything. Big boss man, I hate to be a downer. Ray Trailer was a pretty big part of the uh, late 80s and pretty constant staple in the 90s. He sadly passed away in the mid-2000s. And, yeah, sorry, sorry, Ray Trailer. You're, you're a cool guy. Big boss man was a, was a good character. So. I'm also curious, since you're mentioning like all these different turns, whether they're heels or faces and different identities different people have had over the years, has, I guess since in this story, Kane is the Undertaker's brother, and, and is that also, that's also true of the, the wrestling storyline as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then has Kane, has Kane always been Kane, or did Kane ever turn into some other character? Well, uh... Um, the, well, yeah, you take this young. Person, yeah, you take this young. The person, Glenn Jacobs, originally debuted in 1995 around SummerSlam as a dentist called Isaac Yankum. And, um, <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah, he, he was siding with Jerry the King Lawler at the time in a feud against Bret Hart. When this character faded away, they needed to use him in some way. And this is where the whole thing with the beginning of the Outsiders in WCW started. So... Kevin Nash and Scott Hall go to WCW, and there's this big confusion among the fandom. They're trying to figure out, did these two guys actually sign with WCW, or are they part of the WWF invading? And, and Jim Ross starts saying, no, they didn't. They're coming back. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's this whole thing in WWF at the time where Jim Ross turns heel and says, okay, well, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are coming back, and then when they do come back, we see that Glenn Jacobs is now dressed up as this fake Kevin Nash under the Diesel name. And, Rick uh, Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> and this only lasted a few months because, well, the fans aren't stupid. They obviously know who's who. It flopped hard. It flopped hard, yeah. Yeah, and this was, I think it was just around spring of 97 when their characters died off. And then it was October 97 when Kane finally debuted, and Glenn's been playing him ever since. Okay. And, yeah, that, and, 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 and to that fact, Kane has gone back and forth, and I'm, I'm sorry to bring this up. He, he played Kane for a long time as a monstrous heel. He turned face a couple of times back and forth, got different mask interpretations. The worst thing that ever happened to Kane is he had a few with Triple H, where Triple H said he okay. killed his girlfriend, Katie Vick, not a this. car accident. Yeah, I'm sorry. He killed his girlfriend, Katie Vick, in an accident. And then he said Kane had sex with her. And then he reenacted the sex scene, oh, Triple H, gosh. with Katie Vick in a coffin. It was horrible. It was disgusting. Even as a wrestling fan, I was like, I don't want to watch this. And what happened is, at the end of the feud, 
It made Kane take off his mask to reveal his face. And even worse, this whole time, Kane had been said to be a burn victim and be horribly scarred. And he just had some charcoal makeup on his face and didn't look like he'd been scarred at all. Well, they played it up that his injuries he looked horrible. Were, yeah, yeah. were all mental. But that is considered one of the worst storylines of all time. And they still make jokes about it every now and then. But, yeah. <laughs> sorry, because sorry, I'm, I'm still a little slow. So, yeah, so, yeah. If you so, got a question, if, go ahead. No, no, I, I'm just going to try to repeat back and see if my understanding is correctly. Triple H had a girlfriend. No, so, no, no. 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 I'll specify a little more. Um, oh, okay. It yeah. was a Monday Night Raw in 2002. And to my recollection, this was the Raw Roulette, where Kane defended his tag titles in a uh, tables, ladders, and chairs match on his own, because his tag partner, the Hurricane, was taken out earlier in the show. Yeah, yeah, earlier um, this time, he's, he's a face, and Triple H is the heel. Yeah, But yeah, Triple H comes out at the end of the match, and he's going on about, I know your secrets about Katie and all this stuff, and it starts this whole storyline where he's like, Okay, so you had this girlfriend named Katie Vick, and one day she died, and I guess you were on a date at the time, and then you decided to go all necrophilia and have sex with the corpse. And so they make up this video where Triple H is dressed as Kane in a funeral parlor, and he goes over to the casket, and it's an obvious dummy that he's talking to. And then he's like, oh, we're going to show you getting into the casket and doing the body. And then, and, and then he pulls out a handful of spaghetti and says, oh, I screwed your brains out. Yep. Uh, and then I think I recall there was another scene from another Raw or SmackDown where one, I, I, I'm guessing it was Triple H, and he had a dummy cheerleader in the ring with him. And then they did this counter video where there was a guy on some medical table with a Triple H mask on, and they were pulling various things out of his ass. That was humorous, I can say, but yeah, it it. God, we're going way off. No, 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 no. This is great because because like it's 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 finally sinking in like what you what you were talking about because I don't I don't think I fully what, 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 comprehended what what, what, what was the, going on. One of the biggest on, like so. one of the, one of the biggest tropes in wrestling is how much they have fucked over Kane. How Kane is not a good character anymore. Right now, Derek, I know you don't give any shits about wrestling, but right now, Kane has turned from a demon of the night, the devil's favorite demon, yeah. and he's turned into a CEO, corporate lackey who dresses in a suit and, like, speaks very fluently and, like, has no voice box, and he's like, you must take Seth Rollins in this match now, you know, John Cena. They have totally screwed Kane over. He was, like, a badass when he first debuted. And they have done everything. I don't know why Glenn Jacobs is so loyal to this company. They have given him so many shitty storylines. And I'm a wrestling fan. I love wrestling. I enjoy watching wrestling. But goddamn, Glenn Jacobs, man, stop, dude, stop. So I guess just to not not to steer away from this because I do Let's find go, it yeah, interesting. But, comic, yeah, but, yeah. but but for the for the comic, like they they do set up the sort of the the origin story as that the embalmer was fighting with the undertaker long, long ago over this prophecy for the books of the dead, which to me, again, like it does seem like the, a lot of things in this are borrowed from other movies or tropes or whatever it is. Cause the books of the it dead look, look like uh, the, uh, 
Evil Dead books, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Necronomicon book, only there's three of them, you know? And, and I guess they get into a big fight, and then instead of losing the fight, the embalmer decides to use a magic spell, and he scatters the books all across the universe, and then even the Undertaker gets scattered, and it's like that scattering teleports this, him back to a, Earth, and he turns into a young boy, and he's got a family. This is a weird, yeah, this is a weird disconnect for me, because apparently Undertaker says he's always been the guardian of these books, and like apparently he's old as shit, he's old as dirt. And the embalmer like came around in the medieval era, era, and he challenges like the Undertaker. Undertaker's got like this like cross like He Man kind of singlet on, and he like you know takes the Undertaker out. And he like goes to the winds, and he's reborn as his child. It was like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so something that that I wanted to ask you because we were talking about the whole. You know, Undertaker gets transformed to a young boy, lives with an Earth family in the context of this kind of wacky comic supernatural world building that they're doing. And he also has a young brother who supposedly goes on to be Kane. And when the embalmer finds the Undertaker, finally, he murders these Earth parents, sets his Earth home on fire. And then out of nowhere, Paul Bearer like, comes in and grabs Kane and runs away with him. And supposedly he's, he's like, the father to Kane at that point. I mean, is that something that was that, in the, the yeah. wrestling? That, yeah. That's half true. That's half true. It's like, it's not the embalmer. The Undertaker is usually credited with starting the fire. But Paul Bearer coming and rescuing Kane is, is true. He is, he's usually considered Kane's surrogate father. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. And and I thought another thing they kind of swiped at this point was was Conan the movie because it's like then it's like it's like it seems like the Undertaker spends the like the next yeah, yeah yeah the next thirty years in hell spinning this wheel and I'm kind of like oh well that's yeah that's Conan. I mean, that, Actually, I will I will see your brother you on that because I'm like this is fucking Conan. <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 was what I thought of and everything. Yeah, he definitely looked like it. My description of the embalmer was it's like they took Spawn and the Punisher, combined them together, and made him a wrestler. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of, you know what I thought the embalmer looked like? And you probably won't be super familiar with this character, but Doctor Strange has one of his main bad guys, and his name is Baron Mordo. And basically, he's yeah, got, yeah. got kind of like the same kind of beard and. The embalmer's always using all these magical spells, and I just kind of slick back hair. It, it, it seemed like it seemed like he was a World Wrestling Federation version of Baron Mordo. You know, like some guy who could, yeah, if Baron Mordo like went into the WWF rings or something. That's that's the vibe I got out of that character. You know, kind of like if General Zod, Baron Mordo, and you know Andre the Giant had a baby. You know, like that's what what he. I, I, I did want to. I do want to mention one thing that was kind of funny to me, and like this is coming from a chubby person. This comic hates fat people. Dude, what? Like, Paul, 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 like Paul high. Every, every time we talk about it, it's like that fat couple lard, that whale of a man, that fat, you know, horrible. Yeah, but 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 he can hide the books of the dead in his tub of lard. I saw that. Yeah, he can like he can like he can like. <laughs> Rape innocent Mexican women for no good reason oh, with yeah. this stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, yeah, I don't know. He he just seems 
You, you know what Paul Bearer seemed like to me? Yon uh, uh, brought up Spawn, and and it reminded me of the clown from Spawn. Like, he's just a big, yeah. huge, fat guy who apparently has all these mystical abilities and everything. Yeah, like, like originally, like, Paul, his name is Percy Pringle, as far as wrestling, normally. He, he adopted the moniker of Paul Bearer. A great actor. A great actor. One of the reasons why I do his voice is, is it's just so fun to do. It's just like, oh, yes, my Undertaker. And, like, one of the reasons Undertaker got over originally is because Paul was so easy to hate. He was so easy to hate. And Undertaker didn't talk. You know that, Jan. He didn't talk really originally debuted. Yeah. And, you know, he, he had Brother Love. Brother Love was Bruce Pritchard. He was also easy to hate because he was like, I love you. <laughs> yeah, like, he, the Undertaker was really lucky to have horrible managers that you wanted to hate. Paul Bearer has had a really good run. He's also sadly passed away. He passed away not too long ago, like two years ago. And Paul Bearer has been such a staple with the Undertaker character, even so much in fact that after he did Biker Taker and he did the evil Undertaker biker gimmick, he came back as basically his roots. He came back as kind of like a cowboy Undertaker, and he brought Paul Bearer with him. And there were some horrible things with Kane where Kane would torment Paul, which I did not like. I didn't think it was a fun storyline. Not because he's tormenting Paul, I just thought it was badly written. And then at the end, Undertaker buries Paul Bearer in cement. But it's okay, Paul Bearer comes back again, because <laughs> that's what he does. But yeah, Paul Bearer is very often, I guess you would say, a uh, forgotten part of the Undertaker lore. I thought Paul Bearer was really a part of Undertaker, and when he was with him, I thought like that made that character. I mean, would you agree, Don? Mm, yeah. That's interesting that, that, he, that Undertaker's been around long enough that Paul Bearer could be considered a forgotten part of his lore, because I, I, I have such minimal association with the characters but i i remembered him instantly like i was just kind of like i remember that guy like he's i'm like he's real right like he's a real dude and obviously he was you know because i totally like remembered him i mean as as cartoony and outlandish as the the interpretations of all these characters are i mean he was still instantly recognizable to me so so i think that's I mean, you know, that that's to the comics credit, I suppose. I, I, I will say, like, The Undertaker's dialogue is a little bit flowery and prose-like specific. He's very, like, darkness is where I loom, and I will tell you this, you will rest in pieces. I'm like, okay, calm down, Mark. By the way, Undertaker's real name is Mark Calloway. But Paul's dialogue was perfect pitch Paul Bearer. Just like... Oh, I got to, you know, you better handle this, Undertaker. I got to, like, do this over here. You know, just like, you know, it, it fit the character a lot better. I think the Undertaker talked too goddamn much in this. If you watch a bunch of Mania, Yawn, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes people talk too fucking much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. And then yeah. something I was going to ask you guys in relation to the comic storyline. Do you guys think that Kane in, in the World Wrestling Federation has a similar portrayal to the comics in that he, to me, it seems like in this, he's always sort of at the beck and call or under the thrall of somebody. Like, was he always an attack dog for some other character? Yeah, very much. Yeah, very okay. much so, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. yeah. in this case, it seems like he, he's the main attack dog of a character called Jezebel. 
and I'm just in WWE. Yeah, I'm, I'm imagining she she doesn't exist at all. Like she's, uh, I'm just gonna say she's pretty hot. Like <laughs> apparently she is the sister of Kane, and and that's their relationship. Like I guess Kane, yeah, like, like and Paul like, is Paul is Kane's father, but Paul fucked another girl, and that's Jezebel, and so they're well half brother, half I'm, sister. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna say he raped. A woman in Mexico. And no, then, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And the the offspring of of that encounter is Jezebel, which you know makes him seem pretty slimy and 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 nasty and everything. You know, which is why I thought of like John Leguizamo as the clown and Spawn, <laughs> or you know, just it, it just seems like a very or even Jabba the Hutt. You know, this this idea of this big gross fat guy trying to lick a really pretty attractive lady or whatever against her yeah. will. You know. Well, well, that's, that's the thing about wrestling is, like, there's been times where Undertaker and Paul Bearer have been seen as, like, horrible, gross, disgusting, evil heels. But there was a time when Paul Bearer was loved. When he held up, when he, like, he held up the urn and the light shone out of it. You remember that, Jan? Yep. People were like, Paul Bearer, fuck yeah. It was like, it, it's crazy how wrestling works. It's, it's just really, really funny. It's interesting because that leads into another point that I wanted to bring up. And we've already talked about basically how mankind can can see the the demons in the real world, and he fights against them, and they send assassins against them, and everything. But before that actually happens, there's there's this interesting scene where you know I I think even given current events, it, it put an interesting spin on it for me because mankind's like sort of reminiscing about what he calls the good old days. And he talks about how, you know, I mean, he's basically talking about Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon and, and how he's like a bald superhero who told kids to take their vitamins and stuff like that. And of course now he's, he's vandalizing some kind of Vince McMahon poster and these demons come out of the woodwork and you know, the rest of it's a bunch of action, but there is that brief moment of sort of this kind of, Alan Moore style nostalgia for, for, for older times that were somehow greater and better than they are today. Like it was, it was kind of weird. Like I, I wondered what well, your, what your take on that would be. Well, you have to understand in the late eighties and like most of the nineties, Vince McMahon was a color commentator and he would just like talk about matches and he was always about, like, the good guys. He was all about the faces. He was like, you know, Hulk Hogan's going to pull out of this. You know, Randy Macho Man Savage, when he's a face, he's going to pull out of this. Lex Luger, he's going to pull out of this. There was a huge thing called the Montreal Screwjob. And in this match, it was Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. And there was a fast count, and basically Bret Hart lost. He was going to go to WCW. It's been rectified. People say it was a work. People say it was not a work. I don't care. I don't give a shit at this point. It's like almost 20 years old. But the big thing was, like, they thought Bret Hart got screwed out of it legitimately. I'm like, this is real. Not kayfabe. Not, like, you know, scripted. Shawn Michaels didn't win the match he was supposed to win. And because of that, it turned Vince McMahon to a, a bad guy character. And after that, he went on the feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was the everyman, the, you know, hard-drinking, you know, blue-collar guy. And he went up against Vince McMahon. And I think this is what is referencing that is, like, you know, mankind is like, Vince, what happened? You're like a bad guy now, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I can I can understand that. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Jan. You know, you remember that whole yep. storyline. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, was probably, it, it was probably almost as big as NWO. 
that actually was one of the like it was it was not the turning point for WWE WWF at the time, but it was like one of those things like actual people were actually talking about it like was this real? Because it was like Bret Hart got butt hurt about that. He went to WCW and he was he is still bitter to this day. He went back to WWE. He's a spokesman for the company, but you you hear him talking. He sounds bitter, you know, Jan. Yeah, because when they finally got him uh, in WCW, they didn't do anything with him. Yeah, Bret Hart went to a different promotion, the the biggest promotion in the nation at the time, WCW. WCW for a long time was beating WWE WWF for about like two years straight because he had the NWO angle, and Bret Hart near the end of that went to WCW because he was like, I'm going to join the bigger company. I'm going to make more money. And Vince was kind of butthurt about that because Brett had always been his guy. It doesn't matter what happens in the ring. It happens what happens behind the scenes. Brett Hart was the, the moneymaker, the merchandise guy, and his only like rival was Shawn Michaels, who Vince loved. And he was like, I, I want Shawn Michaels to carry the company if you're going to leave. And he didn't tell Brett that. So when Brett went to WCW, he thought he was going to get a better deal. He's going to make more money, and I'm sure he made a lot of good money. However, there's two big things that happened to Bret Hart in WCW. First of all, he didn't get put in any major storylines. He was basically not used well. And second of all, and I'm really sad to say this, and it's not anybody's fault, he was in a match with Goldberg, and Goldberg kicked him in the head, and he, uh, he suffered a severe concussion, and it ended his career. Sorry, I, I'm starting to throw so much wrestling knowledge out. I'm sorry. No, this is cool because I don't I don't know anything about this kind of stuff. I mean, that's I mean, it, I I don't mind whatever whatever roads this leads us down on. To me, this is all kind of interesting. Like I to me, this is just a comic book that's a that's one of these kind of car wreck fascinations that I I can't stop looking at. And it's to me, it's entertaining and you know it's violent, it's gory, it's titillating. Very, you know, yeah, like very much the. So. Yeah, and so, so I mean, if, you know, if it leads to memories you have about, you know, other wrestling experiences, and and that, you know, that it, it was an open-ended question. That's like, what did that that scene with mankind reminiscing remind you of? And I, I guess that's that's part of that. Well, you know, that, that McMahon you know, McMahon was basically a villain, you know, per se. You know, and yeah. and 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 it wasn't. I, I don't know what the term you use is, but it wasn't necessarily all scripted. It's like eventually his actions led to, you know, Bret Hart getting kicked in the head and his career getting ended. You know, so so in some ways, it's like he's not. Yeah, yeah. He, he's not. He's not the heroic guy telling kids to eat their vitamins. He, you know, he actually, you know, ended somebody's life in a in a weird kind of roundabout way. You know, like yeah. Life. Actually, as far as McFoley goes, I'll I'll in this part of McFoley's part in this comic. Because after a certain issue, he doesn't show up again. So I'll give him his just due. One of my favorite parts is there was a Monday Night Nitro, where at the time, Raw was being pre-taped every other week. And they were on a pre-taped week, and Monday Nitro was live every week. And Tony Schiavone was like, he knew the outcome of the match, and he was told by the booker, who was Eric Bischoff, to go ahead and spoil the outcome. He's like, by the way, Mick Foley's going to win the world title on Raw this week. That'll put butts in the seat. And that Raw was highly rated because everybody wanted to see Mick Foley win the title. It, it, it backfired against them. You remember that too, Jan, I'm sure. Drastically, yeah. A few hundred thousand viewers uh, switched from Nitro to Raw right after that, and they never went back. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, it was like yeah. Sometimes you know you can you can play the game and the, the game plays you. But yeah, Mick Foley's done in this comic art pretty much. He's there during. I mean, you know, the, the, I guess just getting us up to speed. It's like so. I, I know they introduced Jezebel and she's in control with Kane, and then she's torturing the Undertaker and Paul Bearer. And then yeah, yeah. basically, like you know, the, the embalmer decides, like, while well, this is fun and good and I enjoy watching my enemies get tortured, if they die, I might not be able to get the books of the dead because if they die, the books may die with them. And so then he sets out against Jezebel and and then, you know, while mankind's fending off against all these demons and everything, you know, you, we find out why Jezebel hates Paul Bearer because she basically is a rape baby and, and her toe stubbed and she's all pissed off and everything. And then, you know, the, the, the issue that, that we're caught up to now, I mean, it basically ends with mankind, Kane, the undertaker and Paul bearer, and they're all brought before the embalmer. And then, you know, we go back to that splash page fight sequence, which is kind of cool. And it leads into that scene where you were talking about where all those other wrestlers randomly show up and and fight. And then during that battle, that's where Paul Bearer forms like an alliance with The Undertaker, and he hands over the second book. So you think like, oh, dude, well, now The Undertaker's got two books to The Embalmer's one. Like, he's sure to... He's super powerful. Yeah, 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 he's sure to win now and everything. It looks like he's going to get this major Super Saiyan power-up and everything. And then, like, out of nowhere, (laughs) it's like The Embalmer takes this giant concrete crucifix headstone and impales the undertaker like that's the the startling conclusion of the issue and i was like i was like i, I, I was crap i was i was actually laughing because like jezebel kate and paul are just like hello yeah they've got that those those dumbfounded looks on their faces and everything like they can't believe what they just saw and stuff and like yeah. and like what's odd about it is and I'm I'm just going to keep plowing through this part of it cuz it's like it's like yeah there's some other events that happened but somehow it's like it, I mean I guess this is what you were alluding to for the the wrestling storylines it's like you can dish out all this punishment against the undertaker but then he'll just get right back up and get back into the game so it's like even though you see this massive punishment that he's taken he's been impaled with a concrete crucifix like you think he's done for it's like, like three somehow, like nine foot wide three foot thick yeah you know and, and somehow it's like oh that just made me stronger i feel better now and he pulls out the cross and he's like now i'm even more powerful and 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 at that point to, to, to paul bear's credit he does say oh yes <laughs> and then at that point it's it's this kind of interesting like this is where i guess jezebel gets increasingly more titillating as the story continues because the embalmer decides she's she's hot and and takes off with her and then he tries to hypnotize her into being his his wife and everything and then and then there's this really like on the nose like ridiculously not subtle character that they create called solvex and apparently he's kind of like the serpentor of the Undertaker wrestling comic because oh it, motherfucking he, he, Derek, he, Derek, Derek of, brothers. I was like fucking that serpentor. He, well, he's made like it's not subtle at all. There's these like tanks, and I don't know how you keep 
the tanks of people's souls or whatever in tanks. Ted Bundy but, and all that shit. But it was Ted Bundy, Jack the Ripper, and Adolf Hitler. So it's like he's made up of the souls of all these either serial killers or or historical, you know, uh, mass murderers, you know, like things like that, where you're just like, oh, geez, like, like it's like everybody, (laughs) you know, and and then this, I'm not going to get too into it, but it's my usual criticism of those things. But it's kind of like, why would you think that guy would help you? Like what? <laughs> what? Why? Why would you think he'd be on board for doing what you say? Like, like I don't if, think he would just take over everything. Yeah, it's like if I. And I'm not saying I would do this, but if I cloned like Adolf Hitler, Jack the Ripper, and Ted Bundy, why would they listen to anything I had to say? Like, why would they not just go off and do their own thing? And I'm not you know, they're, they're psychotic and they like are loose cannons. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess it works to his advantage because this character Solvex is ravaging the city. It's this very, you know, Doomsday versus Superman esque battle where they're in the city and he's fighting the Undertaker. And then there's this total twist because Solvex is like, "Now I will take your soul, Undertaker, and destroy you forever." And basically, the Undertaker's like, "Did you think I really had a soul?" It's like, "What? You have no soul! I cannot take your soul! Oh, how can this be?" You know, and it's like, you know, <laughs> but, 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 but hey, Derek, you know, the most important thing is during this battle, Paul Bearer gets to play Megan Fox and try to take Soulbix away with a tow truck. There you go. <laughs> That literally happens. He tries to take him out with a, a tow truck. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but yeah, Solvex is, yeah, yeah, he tries to do the soul thing and like, no, yeah. So I guess once they stop Solvex, then the black wedding of the embalmer and Jezebel is on. And the Undertaker <laughs> apparently has this this connection to Kane where he can somehow track his brother no matter where he is and since Cain never leaves Jezebel's side they track him to the sanctuary of darkness which is the home to the embalmer and I'm just going to say that black wedding dress that they put Jezebel in on page 13 super hot pretty pretty fucking hot Yeah, even the character character says it's pretty fucking hot well you know and and, and it's like there were some things in this series like I didn't get because I was like, like one of my criticisms is like back in the, the I think it's like the very first issue. Like I think the Undertaker says something like, so it is done, so it is routine. And I think the line <laughs> is supposed to be like, you know, oh, this is what the line is. It's like the line is, you belong in Stygian. It is routine. And I was like, routine? I'm like, and then I looked, and I'm like, who's the fucking editor on this book? This editor needs to be shot. And I go to, I go to the credits, and I'm like, there's five fucking editors on this. Like, come on, man. Like, none of those guys caught that this was misspelled and stuff. And then, and then just going back to, I, I'm just saying, like, back in the nine, like late '90s, 1999, there were spell check motherfuckers. Yeah, I was just like, come on, man, this is ridiculous. And then, and then just going back to to the the black wedding dress and everything. Then Jezebel has like these really horrible line where she's like, Cain and I will see that his honeymoon becomes a bloody moon. Oh my she's, god, I was gonna reference that. That is the worst fucking line. She's, bloody moon. She's gonna betray the embalmer, but I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Like your honeymoon will become a bloody moon? Like, okay. 
Like, yeah, she's going to betray him and kill him, but I was like, that's horrible. Who wrote this? Like, and it's it's Bo Smith, and I'm sorry, Mr. Smith, but man, that sucks. Like, this line's horrible. Like, so Great. I was like... You get a pass yeah. for your bad lines. I mean, I mean, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I'm like, she looks really hot in that dress, though. So I wasn't like always paying attention to the horrible line, but still, it's like, you know, and 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 then there's this weird demon. Uh, we, 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 sh- we should mention though, during this time during the Black Wedding, Undertaker and Paul have formed this like union, like you said, and they're going to take all their demons to attack the Black Wedding. So yeah, yeah, yeah they're. I mean, they're basically on their way, and he's tracking down Kane because he has that that connection to him. But uh, I guess all these weird demons are getting invited to the Black Wedding, and there's this one demon named Sleazemore. Sleazemore, yeah. And it's, like, like not subtle at all, right? And, and and so he basically, he lives up to his name. He he, he takes Jezebel, and he's going to, like, rape her before her wedding night or something. He, he's the Ferengi of the series. He's the, the second season Ferengi of the series. Well, I think, I'm trying to remember what the idiot's name is, but there was... There was this guy from Apocalypse. He's the one who made Big Barda and Superman make the porno or whatever. I think his name was Sleaze. And, like, I was like, oh, this is, like, the same character, except for he's going to, like, do Barda instead of make Superman do Barda. I mean, it's, like, just just one step further, you know? And And luckily for us, like, Kane shows up and snaps the guy's neck before he even you know, gets it on with Jezebel and everything. So you're like, oh, that's rapey things. Yeah. 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 And you're like, okay, great. Good, good. And, and, and then basically at that point, you know, what you were talking about before the undertaker and Paul bearer and their armies, you know, they're crashing the black wedding. And that leads us to the, the final issue where the embalmer unleashes some kind of power called the crimson death. And and he's in this big battle with the Undertaker, and of course uh, at this point, yeah, Kane and uh, Jezebel teamed up with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the, the the idea is the only way to to stop the Embalmer is for the Undertaker to get the help of all the supporting cast. So it brings all the supporting cast together. It, the goal is he's supposed to use the three books of the dead to stop the Embalmer. And there's this scene where the Undertaker actually rips the third book out of the embalmer. But then yeah. it's like it kind of goes back to the origin story where the embalmer isn't, you know, he's got his last laugh because he casts another spell. And then all the three books get dispersed once again. I believe Jezebel and Kane, they get sent back to where they came from. I can't I'm remember. Parking in Texas. Texas. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember where it was. And then they end up leaving Paul Bearer and the Undertaker. They become mortal and they're they're stuck in Tombstone, Arizona. So it's supposed to be like this wah 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 like they're they're in Tombstone. And then and then yeah. and on top of that they have no powers, which is why I thought maybe it was like a prequel because I was like, "Oh, now they're going to go on to to join the World Wrestling Federation." Well, I mean, they already were part of the World Wrestling Federation, but like they're they're going to go on to do the storylines that you're familiar with on TV now or something like that. Like I, I don't know that was my, I, 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 that was I my was interpretation like, of it. I was like Guillermo del Toro presents the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like I yeah yeah. So I mean I I I I just saw it and was like, dude, this this is going to be hilarious. Like we should read this, and I, I'm I, I'm kind of glad I did. I mean, it's not. It's not anything wonderful. Actually, actually, like, actually I, I kind of want to read the comic with Undertaker and Paul Bear being mismatched buddy cops going through San Antonio. 
There, there are other Undertaker comics that aren't written by Bo Smith. I don't know if they follow up on this at all. The other thing I was going to mention was since you had brought up Mankind, apparently because of this, they made a, a Mankind one shot too. So I, and I didn't realize that until we read this. So maybe that might be something fun to look at someday eventually too. Like, maybe, yeah. maybe for, maybe for Fright Fest 2016. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if Mankind has to like fight demons or whatever. Maybe he does. I don't know. I, I, I don't know yeah. what it's about. So, but, but yeah, yeah. So anyway. Um, hey. Yeah, hey, on based on what we've told you about this comic, I know you, you read, like, one or two. How does this sound? I'm just curious. Bizarre. It is. <laughs> it is very bizarre. I, I, I think that's legitimate, though. I mean, I, I think this is bizarre. Like, I think I think it's fascinatingly bizarre, you know, where you're like, oh, this is so bizarre. Like, let me turn the page and look at what else is bizarre, you know? Like, let me continue to be sort of, bizarrely fascinated as as I continue I, reading this, you know? I, I will I will give it this. It's like Undertaker's a wrestling character. And I love wrestling. And I mean, you know, I like seeing him tombstone pile drive people and give the last ride and, you know, Hell's Gate or, you know, whatever the fuck they call it now. And like, you know, I like seeing him wrestle. But I give the I give, you know, Brian Polito credit, like, you know, for telling this guy, Bo, to like be like, hey, make a story. Make a story, and I, I I don't think I would have been like because okay let me let me go back into my memory banks. There's a WCW comic in the early '90s, and it was all about wrestling. It was about PN News and Lex Luger fighting Sting, and everything happened in the ring. And it was like always. It was very boring. And I was just like, I don't care about these people. But Undertaker doing, like, demonic underworld stuff, it's weird, it's fucked up, but at least it's a comic. I could be like, this kind of got, like, a Ghost Rider feel, you know? It's, like, kind of, like, dark and weird, so I can, you know... Yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't think it's any worse than any of the output that Chaos Comics was well-known for. I think if it has that stamp on it, you, you kind of know what you're going to get. You know, you kind of know you're going to get a evil Ernie, Lady Death type thing. You're going to get a a hot looking lady with, with some cleavage and, and some attractive looking dresses, but kind of, kind of looking Elvira looking where she's, she's kind of spooky and kind of creepy, but, but also, you know, oddly, you know, sexual and, and, and attractive. And then fascinating. Yeah. 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 And, and you're going to get this kind of gore fest kind of evil Ernie thing where, where people are, you know, sticking their hands through people's chests and ripping out their spines and, tearing off demon tails and, you know, throwing people off of buildings and, and all this kind of crazy stuff. So, I mean, from from that perspective, I mean, it, it definitely delivered on all those things. So, I mean, in that sense, I think it was quite successful. And I, I you know, for, for not being a, a wrestling fan, I mean, I, I have to say, like, I, I was pretty entertained by reading this. I mean, it was, it, it was bizarre and it was fascinating. And I, I, I don't think... You know, I'm not mad that I read this or anything. It didn't didn't hurt my feelings. I, I, you know, I I think the only thing I would skip is like what's the what was the name uh, uh, the big bad like fucking pheromone guy who could kill everybody. It, embalmer or oh oh no oh, no you, the like oh, Tuesday oh, the, yeah oh 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 the um Solex or Solvex Solex. 
I, I think they could have skipped that and made this seven issues because I really want to see Undertaker take on Embalmer. I think they could have skipped that and I would have been like really happy with this because I was like, he's he's a dick. I want to see Embalmer get his ass kicked. And Solex was just like, here's a here's a whole issue of you seeing Undertaker being awesome. And I'm like, I watch wrestling. I know Undertaker is awesome, so I'd rather see him fight the Solex. But I'm not I'm not mad about this. I think I, I think this is a very clever series. I think this is like it's not written great. There's a lot of purple prose. I, I mentioned this uh, earlier. Where like Undertaker just like you know the darkness will rise and you will see my destiny and I will tell you how many puppies I've killed in the lifetime of your span of Paul Bearer. Where is my Capri son? But I'm just like, you know, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, in spite of that, I, I, I actually grew to like the Undertaker character as the series progressed, which was which is really rare because sometimes you get pissed off at the character when he progresses. I just I didn't like Solex as much. I thought Paul Bear was really good. I thought I actually kind of liked Embalmer as a bad guy. I'm like, he's a dick. You want to see him get his ass kicked? So I would I would definitely say it's it's a fun read. It's definitely a fun read. Yeah, I I, I agree. So we'll we'll I guess we'll we'll put a cap on the Undertaker comic book. I mean, check it out if you will. I, I think if you're a fan of wrestling and these characters in particular, you might get a bizarre, fascinating kind of kick out of it. And and if you like things like Evil Ernie or, you know, kind of that gore, you know, titillation Lady Death stuff, you know, you, you also might get a kick out of it, too. So I, I think I'd recommend it on both fronts just for something fun. You know, not not it's not going to it's not Shakespeare. It's not going to change your life. But, you know, as a as a 10 issue bit of entertainment that you know, something to pass the time. It's it's pretty fun and, and worth a look. But I oh, think Oh yes. <laughs> but but yeah, oh yes. And I, I think at that point we're gonna move on to our regularly scheduled segment of the week, which is what is awesome in your world this week. And that's where we usually like to look at some kind of entertainment <laughs> book, a story, a toy a comic anything like that that we find particularly awesome and just you know share it with our listeners and i will start with uh, jan are you going to do one with us this week uh i don't really have much going on this week to be honest okay okay what about like twitch type stuff do you want to pimp out your uh your twitch page and tell us you know i mean obviously this is probably going to go up during the the second week in October. So if there's anything around that time frame that you know is going to be going down, it'd be a good place to plug it. Well, yeah. Um, if anybody wants to check me out, it's twitch.tv slash air underscore hammer. Uh, you can also catch me on DeviantArt if you haven't already. And, um, like, I haven't been on Twitch for a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm sure I'll be getting back to it. And I've got more Digibash ideas coming for DeviantArt eventually and Botalk. So there's that going on. I guess you guys know from Botalk, there's the Bard Owl and the and the, uh, the Black Bear that <laughs> decided to show up in my backyard. You're getting attacked by nature. <laughs> you, 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 you clearly have wrestled off the, the bear with your bare hands. I, I, I yes, can I have. vouch and confirm that. You are, a, <laughs> you are a 70s superhero, sir, in my mind and heart. So I, I congratulate you on that. But yeah, yeah, you are a man among men, yes. There's pictures of those on my DeviantArt page as well. Nice. 
Yeah. Cool. No, that's that. I, I, dude, I, that qualifies. That's totally awesome this week. <laughs> Just because we can't put it on an Amazon spindle and sell it, it doesn't mean it's not fucking awesome. So I'm, I'm gonna go with that. That Jan fought a bear, and that was awesome this week. So. Yeah, someone was. Uh, I think it was Mike who was comparing the bear to chain claw. <laughs> I do tend to rub around. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I did tag you in the post after that was made, so. You'll have to go looking for that. Yeah, so I, didn't I, die. I, did, I did die in season five. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go and do my my awesome thing of the week real quick. I did recently get in my DVD sets for Turn A Gundam, and this comes in two sets. It is subtitled only, but it's been, it's been a really long time since I've like sort of seen the series the the last time i saw it was maybe a year after it had come out so it's been a good 15 years since i really sat down and and revisited it and everything i i sort of cheated when i got it because i i you know obviously i wanted to look at the special features so there there's a three-part interview with sid mead the first part is a lot of his background and history the second part of it it still doesn't really deal with gundam all that much but it does deal heavily with work on films like Blade Runner and Tron. So if you're, I mean, if you're into any of those films that Sid Mead's done design work for, like he does go into a lot of detail about those. So it's cool if you're a fan of those. And then by the third part, they sort of get into the nitty gritty of, of how he was designing the, the models and, and suits for Turn A Gundam. And, you know, I just want to say as as being a victim of the Internet says something, so it must be true type thing like that. Orson Welles' lines at the end were re-recorded by Leonard Nimoy and, you know, all these weird Internet hoaxes that are just not true. But you hear it so much on the Internet and you just assume it's true. I, I, I always remember hearing on the Internet that Sid Mead did design stuff for Turn A Gundam, but then it just ended up being some of the more bulkier suits. And then they went ahead and redesigned the Turn A Gundam to be more Japanese or appeasing or whatever to those audiences. But having listened to him on the interview, I mean, it just seemed like he designed everything in that show, or at least that he had a great deal of sketches and hands and everything. And I saw the actual sketches, so I'm kind of like... I don't know what the fuck. I, I feel like I was lied to by the, you know, I'm like, you lied to me, I, Internet, as per usual, you know, because I was like, you know what? He, as far as I could tell from those interviews, he did design the white doll and they didn't really change it up all that much, you know? So I actually had the, uh, I actually had the new turn a material model and it was so different from a regular Gundam design. I'm just like, I don't know if I believe them either, Derek. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like this confirmed what I was already suspicious of and that, you know, he, he did indeed, you know, have sketches and design everything and, and that whatever I read on the Internet was just a bunch of, you know, hokum. So, so I, was I, was, I was happy to, to hear about that. And, you know, I, I, I did sort of skip around and I watched like the last couple episodes first and then I watched the first episode and I jumped around because I'm crazy like that and I just wanted to you know, uh, remember some of the fun stuff, you know, of course the last battles, the final episodes and Gundam shows are kind of cool. So I, I just wanted to watch that straight away. But, you know, I, I think it's a really great series. The music from 
Yoko Kano is super awesome. I love it. So, I mean, there's there's all that good-natured aspects to it. So, I, I mean, obviously, that's my awesome thing of the week, and I, I highly recommend it. And it's it's great that we get, or we are now, again, getting Gundam stuff on DVD, because this is coming from Right Stuff Anime. And for a long time, you know, there was no Bandai Entertainment in America, so we weren't getting yeah, yeah. Gundam stuff on DVD pretty much at all for a while, unless it was like really, really expensive Blu-ray imports and stuff like that. Or, or, you know, obviously they, they had the fun stuff that's been streamed on YouTube and everything. But I mean, as far as like a physical, you know, release entity in North America, this is, you know, this is a big deal for Gundam fans too. So if you like Gundam, you should probably consider supporting some of these newer releases that are, are coming out in the future, including turn a, and I guess I'll just turn it over to you, Tony. What is your awesome thing of the week? Well, first of all, my awesome thing that is not awesome is thanks for reminding me about G Gundam in 2005 and have to use the specific DVD that I bought for $135 on eBay. Damn it. Anyway, uh, it's full set, damn it. It's a good, it's a good show. Bootleg. <laughs> It's not a bootleg, it's the actual DVD release. It just doesn't work on all the DVDs. Damn it. Shut up. Anyway, um, anyway, um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but the time we post this, uh, Force Friday happened. Force Friday happened, and it was... Uh, it, was it was okay. Force-tacular. Yeah, uh, people were kind of grumpy about it. They didn't get the toys they wanted. Some places got a lot of toys they wanted. Some places they get any toys they wanted. I kind of missed out because I pontificated about this. Before First Fridays on Tuesday, there was like the iPod Trooper and stuff. And I was like, I want to buy those. And I went to the cash register and I couldn't buy anything because licensing fees and, you know, registration marks. And, you know, we have to sell these on so Friday. Did, so did they, did they actually have it on the pegs and they put it up there, or did you just, like, find a box, and they were like, nope, we're not supposed No, to they were on the pegs, and I couldn't buy them. I took it to the cash register, and they said I could not buy them. What, and this is something I was wondering, like, if you had picked them up, though, they weren't willing to, like, do anything where it's like, oh, well, we can put these aside for you, because you found them first, and we made a mistake. No. They're just like, fuck no. you, can't, you can't have them. No, it was fuck you, you can't have them, basically. That, see, that, that seems kind of... I mean, I get, I get why you know they're a customer service, yeah, legal yeah. obligation. But you think, you think they could have found a way to like sort of go, oh well, we fucked up. It's our fault. So let's let's try to accommodate you or something, or like come back on Friday and this will be at you know guest services or some. I don't know, whatever, like something. Yeah, like yeah, it kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah, uh, and even more so. I actually went back to the toil and I was like, the girl who was working there, she was like in her forties. I was like, all of this, 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 and this is not available for sale right now. She's like, you really know your Star Wars? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a geek. I know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> can't sell this shit. Anyway. But anyway. And, and, then, to- and, then, and then how did they know only uh, a day after Force Friday that none of that shit would be available for sale either? Because it's all gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but somebody hey. puts it on eBay or whatever. Thanks. Yeah. So what what did, what did you what did you grab, Tony? Like what did you end up getting on Force Friday? 
as you know, Derek, I am a big diecast collector. I love diecast. I don't know why I do. It's just it's just a thing. They have a titanium series that's available now for uh, the uh, Black Series titanium. I don't even know. I think they're just throwing adjectives into things now. But uh, yeah, I have Kylo Ren's shuttle. I have the uh, First Order Tie Fighter. I have the Resistance Rebel X-wing, and I also have. It's kind of a throwback. I have the uh, uh, Luke uh, Skywalker Landspeeder. Very nice. Very cool. And also, they released new Hot Wheels. I got Darth Vader's uh, uh, car, which is kind of a throwback again. It was released earlier. I got uh, I got fucking uh, the Rebels, the big guy, Zeb. I got Zeb's car. It's like a van. Now are these are these Hot Wheels kind of like the like the Guardians of the Galaxy one where it's like it's a car yeah. that looks like Star Lord's mask? So that what this Hot Wheels looks like Vader's mask, but it's a car. Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. There's no like shitty typographs on the side of like a band and shit. It looks like a looks like a character, which is really cool. I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's like if Darth Vader's van is rocking, don't come and knock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, me and Tom, it's like if you want a car that like it's like a character, you want like the character. You don't want like you know just like oh, it's a Stingray Corvette with Darth Vader on the hood. It's like yeah, that's that's stupid. But the biggest one was I got Kylo Ren's car, which is really nice. It's like very menacing. It's got like a textured canopy and stuff. Very cool stuff. I, I'm a big fan of diecast stuff. I mean. As I've gotten older, I kind of like smaller toys. I know I know that sounds really weird. Hot Wheels and Hasbro Titanium line really, really have delivered very well on this, and I'm really happy about that. And that makes me happy because it's like I like small vehicles. I like these little things that I can hold in my hand and be like, that's like almost what I see in the film. You know, I like these accurate movie models because a lot of the bigger toys, even if they're said to be in scale, they're not totally in scale. I've seen the, uh, you know, um, Force Awakens, you know, the, 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 the black and orange X-Wing. And I was like, that doesn't seem to be in scale. I've seen, like, you know, that and that and that. The the six-inch titanium, uh, not titanium, but the uh, Black Series TIE Fighter looks really good. I'm sure it's over $150. Don't know if I'm going to buy it. <laughs> but, like, for small scale, like Titanium Black Series is a really good buy. I really encourage people who like scale models to invest in them. Really fun stuff. It's just like you get a rush of Star Wars that you want, you know, and you enjoy it. You know, it's like I was playing with the, like the the First Order Tie Fighter earlier today. And I was like, that's so cool. It just, I just, I don't know. It's like it's, it's fanboy geekdom at at the highest. It's like something you enjoy. So. Definitely pick up like these small scale diecast vehicles. Very good stuff. Cool. No, that sounds awesome. I'm glad you had fun with it. So, what about you, Mike? What's your awesome thing of the week, my man? Uh, it's, I, I guess I'll go with the little action figure I got. I got another DC uh, classics or universe, whatever they're called. You, or actually, I'm not even sure what line it's from. It's probably is, is it the signature one or, or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it, it's from the Batman and Son movie. I picked up the Damian Wayne. Oh, figure. okay. Okay. I know. Yeah, like I know all the Damian, other Damian Wayne figures in the classics universe line are probably super expensive now. So. But, like, no, I saw it at the collectible store, and it was pretty cheap. So I was like, yeah, I guess, I mean, it doesn't look too bad. I mean, 
the animation style for that movie was pretty good, so like I got him, and he's real like he doesn't have a lot of articulation because like obviously he's a kid mold, so like I guess that, that doesn't that they they skimp on the animation when that you have like a little shorter, but um, I mean he's really nicely sculpted and colored, so yeah, I mean he looks cool. He comes with a little katana. I, again, I'm kind of dis. I'm, this is a re- reoccurring. Uh, complaint I have with, like, figures who have, like, sword accessories. Like, he can't hold his sword with two hands, mm. which is, like, a, a pet peeve of mine. But, you know, I've gotten him into some, like, intri- like you know, cool-looking poses. So, you know, it, it serves. Like, I, I like the character, and I wanted a representation of him. And even yeah, though that- I... I I, I think that Batman and Son movie was kind of junky. Like, uh, at least it, it's a you know, it, it's a good representation of the character. At least. Yeah, it's probably right now the most affordable one because I know that the signature one, uh, the one that I have, was the one from Mattel. And I mean, I, you could probably still get it from the website, but it's probably like you know twenty five bucks with their crazy shipping, which ends up being like a. Thirty-five dollar figure, and I imagine you paid what, like seventeen ninety-nine or something. Yeah, fifteen ninety-nine. Yeah. So, and th- and that's the the the. It's I guess it's the. Technically, they don't call them DC Direct anymore, but it's it, it's the DC, uh, you know, comic. Would you say signature? Or that's well, that, the, the, signature is still the Mattel one. It's um, what the fuck do they call those now? I'm like, it's uh. DC collectibles, I think, is what they refer to them as. Like, not it's like DC Direct became DC collectibles. So technically, it's you know the DC collectibles Damian Wayne from the Batman and Son line. So yeah, that's yeah. But but yeah, I mean that 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 must be cool. Just to, you know, have something. That's yeah, I just want ridiculously expensive. You know? Yeah, because I know there's the one from like the Batman Inc. line, which is yeah, like, that one is fucking crazy. Like, yeah, it's like one fifty to two hundred. I know. I know. There's one from like there's a like two pack of what him and like Tim Drake from the Batman and Son. Yeah, line. yeah. There's that. It, it didn't look very good. So. Yeah. But, uh, I know, and I got one other like little thing. Um, you guys might know. I think we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I like the web series for the most part. I like enjoy watching the web series Death Battle, and uh, this yeah. this past this past week they had Wolverine versus Raiden from Metal Gear. And Wolverine got totally owned, so like I was pretty happy with that. So <laughs> he got totally decapitated. <laughs> did, did he get filleted and he was nothing but bones? Like no, what do you call? It? He got decapitated and then Raiden did like a trunks thing where he like <laughs> and cut his head into like little like pieces. So, so did did he, what did he do? He cut through the the um, cartilage or something? Is like, that what, Raiden, cool? Raiden's sword disrupts, like, m- molecules, so the uh, reason okay. that it could disrupt adamantium, basically. Uh, so. Okay, but cool. I, I know, right. they, gave, they gave Wolverine a bunch of, like, Batman-esque, like, handicaps, too, where I was like, like, Wolverine doesn't have super speed, like, or Wolverine doesn't, you know, whatever. It, but, it, it basically, the fight lasted longer than it should have, but yeah, it ended exactly. the way it should have, too. yeah. So, like, unlike, yeah, like, some other death battles, like, where where we were a little, like, dissatisfied with the outcome. But this one at least ended right. Cool. Cap Wolverine. Sorry. Uh, Cap Batman. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So, cool. All right. Thanks, Mike, for that. So that, I believe, wraps us up. 
for this week's episode of Fanhole's Fright Fest. I hope you enjoyed listening to our discussions on the Scream television series and the Chaos comic book series, The Undertaker. So if you have any comments, questions, concerns, feedback, angry, angry emails, happy, happy emails, please send them to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate all the likes that we receive on Facebook. We have all kinds of social media where you can contact us. In addition to Facebook, we're on Twitter. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. We are on iTunes, so any kind of feedback there is always helpful. We have a Instagram. We have a Tumblr. We have a... I don't know. I think I said it all. So, anyway, check us I think, out. I think, you nailed it. I think I nailed it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So check us out on all those on all those pages on all those sites. And until the next spooky time, this is going to be Derek Derek WC signing off. This is Jan Airhammer, and his name is John Cena. This is Tony, and you keep rolling, 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 rolling. Yeah. Hey, you know what that's like? That's like that scene in Scream 3 where Jerry O'Connell, like, drew wings and, I don't know, <laughs> flew away. Or I, I forget what happens in those movies, but, you know, I know he gets up on a table and dances or some shit and takes yeah. his shirt off. So, that's, you know, whatever. I, I will say, you know that you're watching a TV show when we go from Drew Barrymore being, <laughs> like, the uh, celebrity death in the beginning to Bella fucking Thorne. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. So. Anyway. <laughs> By the way, Derek, was issue zero of any importance? Because I kind of decided to skip it and just read one through ten. It was it was one of those like um, like wizard ash can type things. Like I mean, it's it gives you a good overview of what it's about, but it's not like they don't cover that ground in the first issue either. Do you know that's, what I mean? That's kind of what I was thinking. It, yeah, it's kind of it's yeah. kind of more like it hits you over the head. Like I I, I think it starts with like him in the wrestling ring and like he sees two, you know, kind of no name wrestlers fighting. And then they kind of, you know, explain to you like, you think they're wrestlers, but they're not really wrestlers. They're, they're really human souls, you know? And yeah. it's like, and he goes through a big fight and, you know, beats the hell out of them. And that's basically, you know, and then, you know, read the continuing adventures of the undertaker, you know, in green from Minor comics, from chaos <laughs> comics. Yeah, basically. <laughs> You know when you feel bad about uh, wrestling, Jan? What? When you talk about past storylines, you're like, God damn, why am I a fan of wrestling? <laughs> well, to be true, that's the only one that really stands out. That was a pretty bad storyline, yeah. That, and that, it, that and anything soul. to do with Edge. Lot, lot, <laughs> lots of Edge, edge Affairs storylines, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't mind the Edge, Matt Hardy storyline, but I hated La Familia. I hated that shit with the passion. Yeah, I, I didn't care for anything with Vicky. Yeah, she's gone now, so that's that's good at least. So. 
She's doing okay. I heard she was getting married. I don't see. Yeah, she got engaged. Yeah, so she should be married soon. So I don't even hate her for her as a person. Just oh yeah, she's great, great character, amazing heat. But, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. And from what I hear, a really nice person now. You know, behind the scenes. So oh yeah. Okay. Hey guys. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you said Midian was uh, drawn very well. Was he naked? <laughs> no, he was not. We need naked um, Midian in this comic. <laughs> um, uh, also, since we're still recording, there was a point where after the ministry broke up, uh, Midian, who was uh, a part of Southern Justice originally, um, that was another stable with uh, Jim Cornette. Uh, they decided to get Midian over. He would come out with a, uh, a belly pack, and that's it, and like kind of like tan tights, and be naked and dance around stupidly. <laughs> and he was naked Midian. Enjoy. <laughs> to sound good, so yeah. Okay. Now let me make sure. By the way, there will be many Paul Bearer and Undertaker impressions during this uh, synopsis. Just like, you know. Good, because I, 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 I sort of have a vague memory of Paul Bearer, but I don't think I could do either of those interpretations justice. Oh, yes, the dead man! <laughs> My Undertaker! Oh, yes! <laughs> God's like, that is scarily accurate. <laughs> I am Mike. Peace. Was that Mike? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was just me, like, filling in. Like, <laughs> I thought it was. I was like, hey, Mike. <laughs> what happened? <clears throat> I had a couple of alcoholic beverages. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, I'm like. <laughs> you totally fooled me. You totally fooled me. I was like, when did Mike get his nuts chopped off? <laughs> I'm like, Tony, this is The Undertaker. Stop. Put down the beverage. Can I just get on, like, my, my one thought on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all all through that like yeah. series, oh, like I was just like out. like for Emma, I was like, just just turn off your phone. Am I like, hurt? Like, the killer will have no Hello? Yeah. Okay. That's normal. So it, it was kind of weird because I was trying to talk to all of you guys when it was happening, but it was like nobody heard me. So, and it's like, I heard Mike fine, but then you guys heard him drop out. And then it was like, he kept talking. And then I tried to type like Mike stop. And then it didn't, it didn't go through the text. Um, let me see if I can explain that to them. I heard Mike <laughs> fine. I, I'm talking to Tammy now, but when I tried to talk, no one 
could hear me. And then the call dropped while I tried to type here. Yeah, it's like as soon as um, Mike started to talk, everyone cut out. See, what's weird is this is here. Let me play for you what I heard. So, okay, let's see. thing where you, you just comes in and like I just get on like my my one thought on that yeah 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 like all all through that happening, like you know, series like I was just like like for Emma I was like just just turn off your phone yeah, minor, like the killer will have no <laughs> do, do you see how like I I when I was recording I heard him just fine and you guys heard him break up so I mean it's like you guys probably got the broken call. Yeah, yeah, stuff before it even caught up to us, and then eventually, like, it dropped for everybody else. Yeah, you can hear me say that it's happening again, and it was just before that that he cut out for me. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't understand why. I'm going to try to re-add and see what happens. Yeah. I'm trying to re-add you guys. I'm in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hello. Yeah. Okay. I think we're all good. Okay. So I've been recording. See you see what's weird is? Like here, let me let me do what I did for, for Hammy again. Like this is what happened from my perspective. I was like can I, can I yeah can I just get on like my, my one thought on that? Yeah 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 like oh, all, all through that, happening, like, you know, series, like, I was just like, like, for Emma, I was like, <laughs> just, just turn off your phone, yeah, my, heard, like, you the killer will have <laughs> So it's like, I, I heard my talking, and I was trying to Everyone talk to you guys. Everyone got put into a separate call, it seems. I, like. I, I was trying to talk to you guys, going, hey, I think Mike's okay, and then I was like, hello? And, like, nobody could hear me either. So I, I think maybe, like, you guys, I think maybe Tony and... And and Jan got the, the the call like it caught up with them first before it hit me or Mike. So yeah, because I was just sitting there like, hello, hello, Mike's breaking up, Mike's breaking up. What's going on? Aboard, aboard! They they got tie fighters. <laughs> Loosen up. Oh yeah. 